Did you ever think you were make it? I feel I'm supposed to take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Literally, you pay for it. If you want it, I have a great okay. Orange right. G story from Orange so County, folks, California. So, folks, this morning, yes, uh, uh, Adam was having a co- – I have to, uh, you know, share this with the audience. It's just purely all about integrity. This morning, Adam was drinking coffee, and I smelled it. I'm not going to lie to you. That was the most incredible smell Yeah, the coffee had. I like the smell of coffee. I'm just not drinking it because I still don't need it. Yes, I'm still going to do something. Little, I feel like a drug anyway, dealer right all right, now. home team, <laughs> back at it. Um, I, I am coffee. So uh, home team, uh, lots of stories we didn't get into yesterday. There's a couple weird videos you have to see. One of them, which is just unbelievable. You know, the, the one thing you have to give credit to the marketing team of uh, 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 Biden, uh, Jill Biden, when, when they're picking locations to give speeches, they, they just – they're so fantastic at Major. picking the right locations, timely, Smart. the name of the high school. Wait till you see this. When I show it to you, you'll also agree with me to say, you know, their, their marketing person gets credit. Brilliant. If it's satire, if that person's trying to play a joke on them, he's, he Bro, deserves a raise. I'll, I'll okay? quit and have I you hire him. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Trump offered him a job and said, <laughs> you come to our side yeah. after what you just said. We'll show that clip to you. Steven Schwartzman, billionaire, says... Uh, what Trump needs to do to get his support again. And it's interesting. We'll talk about that. Trump's back, you know, Truth Social is up 175% wow. in a six-day rally. Check Why it. is that? We'll process that. Buy now, pay later, holiday debt hangover has arrived. And consumers are wondering how the hell they're going to pay it back. We'll cover the story we couldn't do yesterday. Trans golfer Haley <laughs> Davidson Vinny's got some uh, uh, insight on this. Uh, she, this person wins women's tournament, increasing chances to LPGA qualifier. Bernie Sanders' wife accepted a $106,000 book advance in 2017, but the book is still not here, and it's 2024. It's been seven years. Okay, Goldman Sachs uh, says they see four rate cuts, 2% inflation for 2024. Stock market ready. Dow hits 28,000 for the first time ever. 000. I'm 30, sorry, what yeah. did I say, 35? You said 28,000. 38,000 for yeah. the first time. SMPI is another record. Oakland, California, uh, uh, only in and out restaurant closing due to crime. Can you imagine in and out That's never had a problem with traffic. When have you heard about in and out closing? Ever, ne- right? what you, Never. Never. Ever. They're closing down because of the amount of crime they're having. And there's a whole uh, other story about California, which we're going to get into as well. Yeah, they have a line even at midnight in California. Yeah, every location. Cl- that's right. I, it's I'm, false advertising because it, it can easily be in and hang out. That's just right. By the that's right. The one in Burbank, we used to go to and hang out a lot. But you, Tom's got some data. Uh, the homelessness numbers just came out for 2023. And they have three specific states they're talking about. California, Florida, and Texas. Wait till you see these numbers. Washington State Democrats, you ready for this? A little weird. Propose replacing the term sex offender to advance a, ready, person-first approach. What? What? Yeah, they want to replace the term sex offender to person-first approach. Okay? Who knows what that means, but we'll, we'll talk okay. about that. Immigration overtakes inflation as top voter concerns poll. So officially, immigration is number one. MSNBC Joy Reid. Rips into Moms for Liberty founder for objecting a book. Very, very interesting why she would even take the approach that she did, but it is what it is. 
Biden's DOJ finally admits Hunter Biden's laptop is real. We didn't talk about that yesterday. We will touch on that today. Ohio lawmakers, I, I really want to get into this story. I think we may even start off with the first one here being this. Ohio lawmakers propose paying students money to attend school and graduate. Okay, we'll, we'll touch on that. Elon Musk feeds viral conspiracy theory that patriots front actually are feds. We have a video we'll show you. Make a decision for yourself. Will Elon Musk politics impact Tesla? Uh, and then we have Ravens head coach John Harbaugh recites Bible verse to open press conference after playoff win. And then stories come about uh, from a few years ago that he would choose to raise the baby of any Michigan, and this is his brother, Jim would raise the baby of any Michigan football player who got a girl pregnant that's dealing with mm. unplanned pregnancy. Talk about a family that's a true believer. Yeah. Childless future, birth rate plunging as millennials decide against being parents. This story from Yahoo Finance, I thought it's also interesting. More single women are buying homes. Single women are buying homes. Uh, NATO war, we may talk about that. Klaus Schwab, we may talk about that. Charlemagne the God says Biden has never been a good candidate, was elected due to unfortunate events. Maybe we'll talk about that as well. So having said that, before we get into all these stories, I want to go to our latest sponsor that we just brought on board, Nextiva. Rob, if you can play this clip and then we'll get into the story of Ohio lawmakers proposing to pay students uh, who attend school and graduate. Go ahead and play the clip. So look, every single year, one of the things you got to do as a business owner or entrepreneur is take inventory of your tools and say, is this the best tool we're using today? And is this the most cost-effective way for us as a company to save money? One of the tools, no matter what industry you're in, that you have to be aware of is your communication tool. Our sponsor today is Nextiva. Nextiva is a voiceover internet protocol, which means it's a system that you can create phone numbers in different area codes. So if you're in real estate, insurance, dialing for deals, Nextiva will help you get more answers and close more deals. You'll get unlimited calling, business texting, and auto-attended voice analytics, and many, many more features that'll make your business look as polished as a Fortune 500 company. Nextiva is one of the most affordable ways I know you can grow your business in 2024. Don't let the tools you're currently using hold you back. Go to trynextiva.com forward slash PBD to get up to 50% off your plan and talk to a Nextiva rep to see if it's the right tool for you. There you go. Again, I've used a lot of tools over the years. It's very important to use the right ones. Highly recommend you go take a look at these guys and see if they're a fit for you. Okay. Let's get into it. Ohio lawmakers propose paying students to attend school and graduate. Interesting concept, right? So, and, and wait to hear Tom's view on this as a parent, and uh, it's, it may surprise some of you. So Ohio lawmakers, Bill Seitz and Danny Isaacson, have introduced bipartisan legislation proposing a pilot program set to launch in 2024-2025 school year, which will reward students for good attendance as a measure to combat chronic Absentism. The program to be administered by the State Department of Education and Workforce aims to provide cash transfers to select kindergarten and ninth grade students in Ohio. Students with a 90% or higher attendance will receive $25 cash transfers every two weeks, followed by $150 at the end of each quarter and a final reward of $500 at the end of school year if they maintain the attendance criteria. Additionally, the lawmakers are suggesting a graduation incentive pilot program in the same academic year, offering students from select schools up to $750 for graduating with high GPAs with the goal of improving graduating rates. Tom. I love this. Ohio finally makes an economic decision. 
here's an economic decision. I read, just looked it up, that the incarceration rate for county jail, now we're not talking about federal prisons, right. county jail, right. costs the taxpayers $36,000 per year. Per person. Per person. Yeah. So in other words, to have one one bed in that jail, county jail, for, and this is where, by the way, if you get a DUI, you know you may be two days there, or you may have to go to court and have 14 days there. This is county. And this is where a lot of first and second time offenders of you know, uh, drug possession and things end up. They're not in the federal prison system yet. So they're looking at this and saying, how do we give an incentive on, oh, here's a novel term, an allowance. This basically allowance to students to stay in attendance because staying in school and not dropping out has a direct correlation with their ability to earn money and a direct correlation with how many times they get busted for petty theft Mm. and things like this. Mm -hmm. So if they stay in school, It's better. It's better for society. So Ohio is saying, wait a minute. I don't know if they're thinking this way, but it's the way I think. Hey, instead of putting $36,000 a year on the taxpayer, why don't we spread it out and give these kids an incentive to stay in school and stay attend? And instead of welfare check, you're giving well attendance check. I think this is a great idea. What do you think, Vinny? Well, I, uh, well I, I mean, it's a good idea in that sense to try to get them there. But what's to say that these people, these bad kids are just going to show up just to get the money. It's not going to make them want to learn or be better people. If I knew, listen, I'm going to make $1,000 or 750 like $7, I'd just come, Patrick, and I would just sit there. I'd still be, if I was a menace and wanted to skip and go do crazy stuff, I'm just going to yeah. do it in the school now. And you, you know what? You know, you know, I think it's missing two steps, mm-hmm. in my opinion. What I think is good about this idea is they're going to write there. So while Tom was talking and looking at all these, he said $36,000 per year per person that's in jail. I looked at what Ohio's rate is for the number of people that go to jail. It's six fifty nine. Rob, if you can pull this up, six fifty nine per hundred thousand is what their number of uh, 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 number no six fifty nine per hundred thousand. Ohio has a population of eleven point seven eight million, which means that roughly seventy seven thousand. There it is, six fifty nine per hundred thousand. And uh, they have 77,000 people in jail. If you take 77,000 people in jail times 36,000, you know what that is? That is $2.79 billion. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, $2.79 billion a year to the state. Wow. That's a lot of money, right? Okay. And who pays for that? Sales tax. Sales tax, right? Okay. No problem. So am I willing to pay $25 every two weeks and $150 end of each quarter and $500 end of the year for having 90% attendance, uh, no. Maybe I'll create tiers, and here's how I would do it. I would do tier one is you have to be there and get a minimum of Cs at the bottom, okay? okay. So worst case, you get all Cs. You get one D, you ain't getting your 25 bucks. Smart. Mm-hmm. Got to be C or higher, okay? I like that. Then... If you go no C's and B's and higher, I go 50 bucks. And then you get straight A's, I go 100 bucks. And then if you're in the top five, I'll create tiers in the class. Five gets this, four gets this, three gets this. Number one gets $5,000. Okay. And that $5,000 will be used for, you know, college, uh, whatever, scholarship, right? The only thing I have a problem with this is kindergarten. If, if the kid is late to kindergarten, <laughs> That's it's on the parent. He's got nothing to do. Yeah. So yeah. I would change this from the age where the kid can come to school. Maybe I'd start at a junior high school from sixth grade 
the hell am I doing paying bonuses for kindergartners? They don't yeah. even know what the hell is going on. Parents are going to take that money and say, thank you. It's yeah. not the kid's money. It's going to go to the parents' money. There's a part of this I like incentive program to provide and produce the right habits. I'm for that. Well, I think at that point you can uh, tax the adult for if his kid is late to school. Sorry, you owe us money, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, your kid's going to get in a fight with his dad all you of a sudden. You owe us the 25 bucks. Let's go, buddy. I'm going to make 25 bucks today. But I think uh, anything that encourage an incentive program to encourage showing up to school, to learning, getting better grades, I think is great. If you take a, a bigger perspective of what's going on in the education system, I think we're all recognizing whatever the current structure of the education system, specifically the public education system, ain't working, Chico. So they got to figure out something that's a little bit more vibrant and sort of restructure what's going on out there. Incentive programs for sure. Attendance for sure. Good grades for for sure. Do you have any ideas? Anything? Well, yeah, you would I do. Add? Well, get I, to the idea because we got stories. Well, I want to understand something. Yeah, we all. If you look at what's going on in the college system, because basically high school is just a farm system to yeah. go to college, yeah. right? We all know that college at this point is a scam. If you look at the numbers for college, Americans are overwhelmingly losing faith in colleges. In 2013, 74% said there was important to go to college. Now it's 41%. People don't believe that it's important to go to college anymore. People in the um, same year, 2013, is college going in the right direction or the wrong direction? 61% said wrong direction, 38% right direction. So it, it starts with the elementary schools. It starts with the middle schools. It starts with the high schools, incentivizing the right behavior, incentivizing why you're there, incentivizing why you're learning. So when you go there, last point, recognition. We do a monthly recognition at Valuetainment. Hey, you did a great job of the editor. Hey, your channel's growing. Hey, you're crushing it. And everyone gets up, they clap, they get a gift certificate, they get a football, whatever it is. It's important to recognize the kids that are showing up and doing well in school. And one parting shot here is the state of Florida has a thing called the Bright Futures Program. And the Bright Futures Program in the state of Florida, if you get a 3.5 GPA, and this is any school, Pat, any school. So even if you're in a troubled school, right, you're in a really tough high school, low academic standards there, you get a 3.5 GPA and you do, I think it's 100 service hours, the state of Florida will give you a free education at Florida State, University of Florida, or UCF, the state schools. So Florida got with this program a while ago to encourage kids coming from moderate incomes, hey, just just get a 3.5. Incentives work. The right incentives work. And by the way, you know what I don't understand is why, uh, uh, who was the number one one student last year in the state of Florida? The number one student? Who was the number one student last year in the state of Florida? Who was the number 10? Who had the highest GPA in the state of Florida? We don't, I, what kids last year got 1,600 on their SATs in the state of Florida or Texas or California or New York? Why don't we know that stuff? Mm-hmm. Why, why doesn't the state tweet it out? Well, you mean to tell me parents wouldn't recognize it? I don't, I don't think – when, when they asked me what is the biggest problem that's going on in the last four years, I said the number one problem we have in America is a hero-making machine. If we're not, if we're not doing the hero-making machine recognition, I want to know which kids crushed it. And have media talk about especially it. When you talked about that was one, especially about teachers and giving them shout outs yes. and letting us know. But by the way, this could backfire because if you're in Ohio and you're a parent, you're like, I don't want to work. I'm going to pump out 10 kids, put them all in school every year. Like you keep your ass in school. That's a paycheck, paycheck, paycheck. I, yeah, I don't That's think it's like, enough money to pay the bills. I get what no. you're saying. If they get it if to that point, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Okay, let's go to, right. by the way, this kind of goes perfectly with the next story on what's going on in the state of California. 
And California, so where's that story about California's uh, uh, Washington, Oakland? Okay, there you go. Oakland, California, only in and out restaurant closing due to crime. Page six if you want to go to it. And this leads me with, okay, so the only in and out burger uh, location in Oakland, California, is closing due to surge in crime, including car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies of customers and employees, according to the company. In and out COO, Chief Operating Officer Danny Warwick, stated top priority must be the safety and the well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit to work or work in an unsafe environment. The closure comes after repeated attempts to deter crime and maximize safety as in the last day of operation for the Oak Port Street location. It's March 24th. Current employees will have the option to work at nearby locations or receive severance packages. Tom, what, what stats do you have with what's going on in California? Obviously, what's your opinion on this? But I know the homelessness stat just came up from California, and I know Rob's got it. Do you mind going through that, well, both of it, the story and reaction to the stats? Well, this, this Oakland is self-explanatory. What's been happening in Oakland, you've got tremendous homelessness over there in the greater Bay Area. You, you, you've got that, that uh, poop location map that uh, DeSantis pulled out of his pocket when he and Gavin Newsom did that debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real map. And that, that kind of thing is happening in New York and other things. So what's, what's happening in this is you know homelessness and, oh, you know defund the police and everything— it's all coming home to see it. But our government keeps track of homelessness. And check this out. Uh, Rob, do you have it? At the end of last year, let's see the cover of the report real quick. Who was that face we just saw? That was John uh, Federer. We're gonna get, uh, by the way. Oh, wow. Go back because you just threw me off. Yeah, okay. that's go, not go the back. same guy. We'll, get, yeah, we'll get into that. Go Rob, the other way. You were going Rob, the right direction, Rob. you Rob. frightened me. Don't show me that. <laughs> Rob. And so <laughs> this is our, our very own. Here it is. The twenty. 23 Annual Homelessness Assessment Report to Congress by HUD, right? Housing and Urban Development. So this is our government reporting on itself, its states, and it came out at December, released around the holiday time without a press release and without any fanfare. I wonder why a rather blue Congress would not want a lot of fanfare. Let's find out. So we take the top three population states and go to those three. Rob, <laughs> right there. Here's the top three population states, and here's the report on those states. This report had all 50 states, and we're going to play a game in a minute. I Vinny, love games. Called, I love it. Called Red Blue. <laughs> love it. Red Blue. But right now, California. Coming. So people would say, well, stats can be overblown because there's more people live in this state, left people live in this state. Hey, let's look at it on an equal basis. For every 10,000 people in California, 46 are homeless and 68% have zero shelter. That is that is a sleeping bag on the street. A sleeping bag on the street. Now, for Gavin Newsom that likes to brag, take a look at Florida. 14 people per 10,000. So in other words, on an equal percentage basis, California's four times worse homelessness than Florida. Well, what about Texas? You know, things are going on. De- Guess what? It's Whoa. nine out of 10,000, meaning that California is five times. Although California, Texas is going to skyrocket by the end of 2024 because of the way Governor Abbott's handled the border. Borders. Correct. That number is not going to look good by the end of 2024. And by the way, I looked up because people say things are changing. So I looked up the 2022 report. California has gone from 44 to 46 out of 10,000. Wow. Florida went from 12 to 14. And Texas went from 
eight to nine. So homelessness is up in all three states. But what's really interesting to look, Texas, only 42 percent of them, but that's still bad, are actually unsheltered on the street. So if you look at the green, that's what that's the people living like on the street, completely unsheltered. In Florida, it's about 50 50. But these are the stats. These are the you know stats. what is so amazing? You want to talk about your state? You got to look at numbers. You know what's amazing is, and he'll go on Bill Maher yesterday. Yep. Okay, and I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it. Did you watch the yeah, whole thing? Of course, thing? I yeah. the whole thing, yeah. If you watch him on Bill Maher, you again his ability to mm-hmm. to spin everything as if they're, he, he Gavin. He's a yeah, bullshit. Gavin Newsom he's a bullshit was on artist. was on Bill Maher yesterday. Bullshit artist. And he his ability to tell. You know what they're doing and how much he cares and all this stuff. And Bill and Bill Maher's like, look, I don't like how divisive this is being. That's being red state, blue state. I don't like that you're doing that. He says, look, I, I agree with that. I think we all want to be loved. I think we all want to be liked, and I want to be liked. And I love Florida. I love the people in Florida. But what are you gonna do? Are you gonna let all these guys attack? ESG, DEI, any three letter word that they get? Are we gonna let them do that? And it's only the red state people that are doing that. So this is happening under his watch. By the way. I want you to think about this, okay? Economically, who has hurt the state of California the worst since California was a state? Name anybody. You can name gangsters. You can name mobsters. You can name, you know, gangs, blood and crip. You can name technology. You can, uh, you can name anybody who in the history of California hurt the state's conditions and economy the worst since 1851. Think about names. Tom, what names would you give? You lived in California. What names would you say hurt the state of affairs in California, the economy, the most? Wow. Uh, there was a governor named Democrat Governor Gray Davis who got recalled and shot out of a cannon, and Arnold Schwarzenegger replaced him, and Gavin Newsom. You can look at their record. It's leadership at the top. You know what's the difference, though? During Davis the net migration rate didn't skyrocket the way it did under Newsom back to back to back. Mm -hmm. He may go down as the worst person in the history of the state of California that hurt the economy of California. I don't think there is anybody that's hurt the economy worse than Gavin Newsom. Just the economy? You're talking about just overall homelessness, dirty if, if California was a company, is the worst CEO they've ever had. Oh, I, I agree. No, I no, agree. because because a CEO is judged on what? What's a CEO judged on? How happy people are? No. no. What's CEO judged on? It's the numbers com- and data. Number, yeah. Okay. So how did these guys go from that? Tom, they had a $97 billion surplus last year. Exactly. They lost $72 billion yeah. last year. How do you do that? Right. They, they had a $90 billion plus dollar so give or take, and they're down $70 billion a year. How do you spend all that money? How do you go through all that money? Historically, this guy, if he was a CEO in California, was a business, it's the worst CEO California's ever had. And you want to see, this is what his stock chart really And by the like. way, he will still run for president, Rob, and he's still formidable. Still yep. gonna, States, yeah. please. Take a look at this. California, the homeless rate has increased 30% since 2007. Florida, it's decreased 36%. Texas, decreased 31%. So if you look at that as a long-term stock chart on homelessness— it's basically they've run California into the ground. And, and, and guys, one this is really yeah. fast time. So they tried to recall him with uh, Larry Elder as a voter, as a person. Are you that blinded? Everybody that lives there in California to me is like, yeah, everything sucks. Yep. They all complain, but they're like, yeah, but the weather. They always turn to the weather. How do you not recall a guy like blatantly in your face 
that is absolutely well, horrible. How do you two, not vote him out? I'll give you two a little perspective. Here. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Tom. There's two things here real quick, and then we'll go straight to Adam. <clears throat> they successfully put him on the ballot. 100%. The citizens successfully petitioned, had enough signatures to get him on the ballot was for on recall. It. Yeah. But there was no one that was strong enough politically against him. That's what happened. Gotcha. Okay. No, I mean, look. So you're saying Larry wasn't strong Larry Elder, wasn't Larry strong Elder wasn't strong enough. He, we, there was not a strong enough candidate, but he was ripe for the mm-hmm. taking. We can do all the data. We can do all the stats. And anybody that actually is paying attention will look into this and be like, oh, wow. Nobody's reading into these stats. Nobody's doing the due diligence. Nobody's doing the research because it's all based on feelings these days. And we know that politics is a feelings game. How do I feel about the candidate? How do they make me feel? We've always heard, you know, for... Facts don't care about your feelings. But most people these days operate on emotion and feelings. They're going over personality, over policy. So we saw that debate when Gavin Newsom was up against DeSantis. And I'm in Florida. I'm a Florida guy. You guys are all, you know, lived in California your whole life. I'm looking at this and I'm like, everything is on DeSantis' side here. This homeboy is busting out poop maps to show you what a shit show <laughs> literally literally <laughs> California is yeah and at the end of the debate they said who won the debate they're like oh uh Gavin Newsom Gavin Newsom won yeah it's like stop it with the stats you have to make people feel a certain type of way we can get into basically what DeSantis is lack of ability in order to do that but if you're running against Newsom the way that you the way that you can beat someone like that is not with stats because he's gonna. He's such a slick, skilled politician. You have to draw emotion. Do you understand that in Gavin Newsom's California, In and Out Burgers will cease to exist? Yeah, people are like not my In and Out Burgers. Yeah, exactly. People love. I mean, we used to go to the one in De- in, uh, the in Addison, the best. This is the type of guy that will run all your favorite stores, all your favorite you're burgers. Making, out you're of making town. a very. By the way, you're making a very, very good point. I mean, it's been a while, but you're making a very good point. The question no, it's about he, leadership. You're talking about leadership. The, the real question is: no, Did he hit the Rob, nail on the head? I have the Let pink me, charts. If I, Rob, if I, pink if, charts. If I, if I may, you're, you're you're making a very good point, and the reason why that's a very good point is is because all of this is storytelling, right? Yeah. It's all storytelling. You know, I had one of my guys spoke to yesterday, and he's creating content. And one of his strengths is he's one of the best storytellers we've ever had in the history of the company. Mm-hmm. But when he's doing his videos, all he's talking about is facts, 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 nope. and it's logic, logic, logic. I said, dude, you're one of the best storytellers. Tell a flipping story, okay? Tell a good story. Take a minute. Tell a story, okay? I remember 2009 when this happened to me, and da 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 da, and then boom, tell the story. You know how to tell a story. You don't. No one needs to teach you. A person who naturally is a good storyteller, you don't need to teach them how to tell a story. Just let her rip. And don't even give them any feedback. Just go. Do what you do, right? And the right is trying to win arguments with logic. The left is winning arguments by emotion. Mm-hmm. And you need both. Uh, you know, this whole book that just came out, Choose Your Enemies Wisely, the breakdown of business planning for the longest time, everything I, you know, would sit down with guys and they would write a plan. It was all logic, 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 logic. And I would have guys that would only write emotion, emotion, emotion. And both of them would lose. Okay, but typically the emotion one had a little bit of an edge over the logic guy. Okay, typically because they had a bigger reason to fight and they wouldn't quit. But you give me the guys that can do logic and emotion. The right has all the logic on their side. They have the stats on their side right now. 
You just have to tell stories of what's going on. New York. Let me let me read you the story with New York. Here's New York for you. Ready? Mm-hmm. Rob, what page is the New York one you just texted me? Giant oh, there you go. 10. New York City neighborhood turned into a giant toilet as migrants litter park with poop. Leave cups of urine on doorsteps. What? Leaving cups of urine? Imagine you wake up in the morning, there's cups of urine on your doorsteps? So a recent report highlights significant sanitation problem in New York City's Tompkins Square Park, primarily caused by migrants waiting outside an East Village intake center after their shelter stay limited expired. Limits expired. Port, uh, port, porta potties were removed due to extreme filth, leaving the area without adequate restroom facilities. According to local residents Garrett Rosso, migrants were using plastic cups to urinate. And he spotted a dozen cups filled with urine. Guardian Angels founder Curtis Silva criticized Mayor Adams for his handling of the migrants, stating he's the swagger man with no plan. Everything he does, it's a knee-jerk reaction with no follow-up. So, again, when you see data and you see results and you show these videos and you see how how unhappy people are, you know, bad policies have consequences. You're seeing it in New York and in California. And, and, and And here's the thing. What did you expect? Okay, what did you expect? You open the door, you let everybody in. They're pooping, they're pissing. I have reports from my cousins from New York. Guess what? Now the migrants are knocking on people's doors, going, "Hey, panhandling at your door," and it's mm-hmm. only a matter of what do you mean by that? They're knocking on people's doors, going, "Hey, you have a dollar? Like, Can it, I have five dollars?" They want money. They're, they're like, you know, in the corner when you stop at a light, homeless people come to your car. I swear to God, Pat, they're coming to the door, knocking and going, "Money." Some guy, I, I forgot where uh, a guy was interviewed. I saw him on next. He's like, "I pay my taxes. I've, I've never." Never been late. I've always. Been, he goes. Now that you guys are opening up this place, bussing people in, and now they're coming to the door. And now, guess what? This is first. It's poop and piss, knocking on your door. Next thing is going to be when they're when they have no hope. They're coming into your house. Just wait and see. You talking about the year of chaos, but it's coming because it's gradually happening. What do you mean by coming to your house? Like, like hey, you, you got an extra spare room to let somebody oh, in come here. Oh, oh, Pat, robbing the house because, bro, once when somebody is back into a corner and they have nothing, these if they can't pee or piss anywhere, it's a matter of time to where they're starving and they're like, we're coming in your effing house. And it's only a matter of time it, since until the narrative changes in New York. We say this all the time when we're in New York. Hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. It, and soon it's going to be like, hey, I'm pissing here, bro. Like, <laughs> all, like it's going to change dramatically. It's, it's leadership. And we need leaders that are dynamic that can not only, and this may sound familiar because uh, I'm coachable, can not only drive but sell. And I feel like the conservatives know how to drive and drive stats. And I tend to be on that side. But you also have to be able to sell. You have to be able to sell your position, be a great leadership. Let's play a fast, fast, fast game and Go. we'll get to the next topic. Rob, the pink chart, please. This Tom's got his game and charts on. This is the homeless today. report. Okay. You yell Tell red, a story, red or blue Tom. when I name a state. Okay. This is the top ten that are on the homeless, and this is leadership. What's going on? District of Columbia. Blue. California. Blue. Vermont. Blue. Oregon. Blue. Hawaii. Blue. New York. Blue. Blue. Washington. Blue. Maine. Blue. Alaska. Blue. Red. No. Damn it. You got caught, buddy. Nine of the top ten. You got caught. Alaska, Vinny, come on. But the point is, point is, why is this? Why are the voters still electing leadership in these in these states where the homelessness is so bad, leading to people peeing in cups, knocking on your door, and actually panhandling, and you making you concerned about the security of your family? The Republicans have to come out, and the conservatives have to come out, and we have to not only 
not only drive home the stats and talk about the facts, we also have to sell the vision and sell. We need dynamic candidates to come out there who can not only lead but can drive. You have to sell and drive. But if you, if you want to know how corrupt this situation has become, I, I, I get these lists. I mean, we can do that. Look at number one on the list, and it's not even close. This is Columbia. Oh, by the way, D.C., the capital of the United States that, that, that is dictating policy all across the country is an absolute disaster zone like a right there. Shit but, but, so, 50% but, worse than any state. But, yeah. but, but, a, but, by the way, it's all by design. It's all for the votes. Look, like, think about what's happening in Texas. Because, by the way, the majority of all that District Columbia, they're all coming in through Texas. Do you understand that the Joe, Joe Biden's White House is suing Texas because Texas is trying to protect the border with the barbed wire? Do you, like, think about that. Think about that. Texas is overrun. The government is going, who the hell do you think you are, Texas, by stopping this influx of Democrat votes? Think about that. So let's just be honest. Everybody in power, from the White House, hedge fund managers, Supreme Court, they don't give a shit about your safety. They want everybody to come in. And at what point, Texas, they have to, I'm not saying take up arms and shoot migrants, but Mm -hmm. you got to protect your border, bro. Because it's only a matter of time until these people come in. And then here's my thing, Adam. If one illegal person kills one American in a car accident or rapes and kills or whatever, whatever, that's too much for me. And if that means you got to protect yourself because they don't give a shit about you. By the way, let me go to the story. Immigration overtakes inflation as top voter concern. This is a poll that just came up that now this is as of January 22nd, the Hill. And the story is immigration has searched as the top policy concern amongst among voters, with 35% of respondents listing it as their paramount concern, marking a 7% point increase compared to the previous month's poll, inflation followed closely behind with 32% of respondents. When asked about personal impact, 38% of respondents indicated that inflation affects them directly, while 17% mentioned immigration. The number of respondents citing immigration's personal impact increased by 3%. Uh, points of the previous survey. Despite a reduction in inflation, immigration remains a significant political issue with both Republicans and some Democrats emphasizing a majority of voters, 64% believe that conditions at the border are worsening and 68% believe that the administration should make it tougher to enter the U.S. legally, mm-hmm. reflecting a bipartisan desire for stricter border enforcement. Adam. Makes total sense to me because, you know, don't look now, but the economy has been doing better. There's a story here about basically how people are feeling a little bit more optimistic um, on the economy. Inflation has cooled down to somewhere around 3% these days. If you ask the average American, what's the, what is the inflation rate right now? They would tell you it's probably 7, 8, 9, 10%. The Fed has actually done a decent job of what they would call a soft landing in the economy. Not so much Boeing, but that's a whole nother story. But <laughs> That's a hot you know, landing. Exactly. Unemployment right now is at 3.5%. We just saw the stock market reach record highs, 38,000. I remember being in Dallas shooting a video when we reached 30,000 in 2020. But there is a difference between Wall Street and Main Street. We understand that. But the economy seems to be doing on the right track. We'll see what happens with the... With the um, with the interest rates and, you know, whether they're going to give a pause and all that. But speaking of storytelling, nothing makes you feel more angered as an American just to see the open border caravan. Unbelievable. Pouring into the country. You even have Democrats right now like John Fetterman who's just using common sense, guys. This isn't a left or right thing. It's a, an American thing. 
What is happening at the border, guys? When you see images like this, how left do you have to be to say, yeah, I'm totally fine with that? The questions need to be answered. So to give, a, to give a bottom line on this, totally understand why the immigration and the border is now at the top of the list versus the economy. Because it's coming, it's coming to their doorstep, yep. literally. And when you have loser leftist shills like Jim Acosta when Trump was in, and he's like, it's an invasion. He goes, I consider it an invasion. And Jim Acosta's like, what are you talking about? They're just people looking for refuge. It's people like that. And that's why when they call them the enemy of the people, you are. Because that is an invasion. And I'll say it again. One American dies because of that. I think we go to the And people are suing them. People are going to the government to sue them. Because not one life should be lost. And not one school should be shut down. For mm -hmm. I don't give a shit for how long. Because we have to put migrants, illegal people, inside of a school. Because it's cold outside. And that's just, just to juxtapose Texas versus New York. And I understand where Texans are coming from. Because if you look at New York, they're like, it's a, yeah, there are people are pissing, they're shitting, it's, it's a mess here. There's only tens of thousands of people there. How many millions it's nuts. come through Texas? Forget it. So New York is getting just a little taste of what Texas is basically saying and why there's such objections to the open border Rob, policy. Rob, play this clip by Fetterman on Twitter. The clip you just pulled up a minute ago. If you can just go right there. Watch this here. This is Fetterman, by the way. Where, you know, he's the guy that beat Dr. Oz, right? He, yeah. he, so, so here's <laughs> what he has to say about the border. Listen to him. Because obviously a lot of progressives on Twitter have been attacking you for your position on Israel, uh, for noting that, in your opinion, um, saying that there is a crisis at the border does not make one uh, xenophobic. Um, why do you think you've been so criticized by so many progressives? I honestly don't understand. I, I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race, that I'm very much uh, a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my, my wife's family, I, that's the uh, Oregon story about that. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really, uh, I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border to do that. And I think we need to, to re do a reset and we have to work together uh, and develop uh, a new comprehensive solution to that. And that would also unlock a lot of the critical aid for Ukraine. Again, we cannot forget about Ukraine. That's that's critical uh, for Israel and Taiwan. That's a very important kind of standard that we have to maintain, that we're going to support and stand with our allies at, that are very critical. I, I, well, first of all, I think since his stroke, I don't, I, and I'm so happy that he's better, either the stroke made him think straight or that's his body double and his body doubles a Republican. And they're like, what the hell? Which one did we pick? Which one did we put in front of the camera? Look, dude, Fred, you were supposed to interview that these guys. That doesn't look like the same guy. That does not look like the same guy to me. You not listen. Not you never know. Guy. It's not the same, but it is the same guy. But by the way, did you ever hear him speak like that? That's insane that he's turned completely. He sounds like a Republican. No, I, I, I don't think there's a body double. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the facts here, not, not, not some um, fantasy. I think what Nothing. this guy is doing is any guy in PA because he beat Dr. Oz, and Dr. Oz was, I think, moved from Dallas or wherever the hell he came from. Um, it's easy to dismiss this guy as a weird-looking, sweater-wearing, shorts-rocking 
dude. But when you actually put together some of the words that he's talking about, he's actually just using a very common sense approach to politics. And he's not pandering to the left. And he's not basically, you know, going down the, the, the path of the right and saying, hey, I don't believe in that. He actually has stances and he actually has a backbone. This guy's got a lot of issues, bro. He had a stroke. He has health issues. He's been, it's been noted that he's get, dealing with anxiety and depression, and he's dealing with all sorts of stuff. But it's not hard to say, I stand with our Democratic allies in Israel. It's not hard to say, a country without a border is not a country. It's not hard to say, hey, whether you agree with it or not, I'm not on Team Vladimir Putin. These aren't controversial statements. But the, where we're at today in the wokeified left and the hard right is that people are going to say, what are you talking about? But actually, what he's saying is just very common sense. But do you guys, you guys a question, though? Do you think, honestly, Tom, do you think that in this four years of Biden with this open, still right now wide open, is it the damage has already been done, meaning there's no coming back from what they've done and that was their plan all along? Because Trump will come in, okay? Trump, it's going to take them years to build the wall, okay? They're going to start deporting. Who's had the most deportation? Was it Obama? Obama. How many? Obama. Three million? Two million? He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. The greatest. They called him the, the what is it called? What they call Chief him? Deporter in Chief. Commander in Chief. Deporter in Chief. Deporter in Chief. Okay. Think about this. But when when Biden's done, how many illegals would, would uh, be here? What's the projection? They're saying twelve point nine nine million. Arkansas, another Arkansas. It's almost thirteen million here. Yes. Okay. Do you in think, one term. In one term, bananas. Do you think that the damage has already been done? There's no coming back from that because they're here. Even if he deports three million, those. 10 million or whatever are going to have kids and their kids and their kids and their kids are all going to vote Democrat. Do you think it's, it's the damage is done? It's a 60-40 split. It's a 65-35 split. The, the people that come here from the border, they're going to vote Democrat 65% of the time. 65. 64, 65% of the time, give or take. Yeah, the split is how you're just increasing. But, but, but strategically, you're targeting a state. It's the state that will give them victory for decades to come. That's Texas. what you're targeting. You're targeting Texas. Texas. It's a brilliant, dark, deceptive, but effective strategy. That's what you got to take. Your enemy is using a great strategy. In your face, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing nothing about it. Yep. Well, guess what? More, more power to your enemy if you're going to sit around and be okay with it. And they're like, yeah, you know, look at what's going on with the border. Let's go on with the border. Yeah, it's open. Okay. Wide. Right. Wide open. And, you know, now here's the question becomes... I can't wait if, let's just say, Trump wins. Mm-hmm. He comes and he deports a record-breaking amount of people out of the state and the left goes after him. And then he says, what happened to your hero? Yeah. What happened to your hero, Barack Obama? Is he not your savior? Mm-hmm. Do you know he held the record for the most people deported as a president? Go. All I'm doing is... Mm-hmm. The catastrophic thing your president, Joe Biden, did with 12.1 million, give it, right now we're at eight and a half million. Eight and a half. And you got how much longer left in his term? Whatever, another year, year. the way it's going right now. Right now we've got eight and a half million. Say we end up at 10 million. Say we end up at 11, 12 million, right? They're projecting 12 million, 99,000. Okay. You know what Trump's going to do with that? So, but, but at the same time, the point you're making is, yes, the damage has been done percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. It's not a pretty sight. So let me get to the next story here since we've gone with this quite a few times. Let's go to the next one. So Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, his wife uh, accepted a $106,000 book advance in 2017. She's still working on the book. <laughs> this is the leftist business uh, publication, Forbes, that, that uh, wrote this. 
Seven years after receiving a six-figure advance, Jane Sanders, wife of Senator Sanders, is still working on the book. A community activist, a former, former college administrator, accepted a $106,000 book advance according to the Sanders 2017 tax return and a statement from her husband's presidential campaign in 2019 said to be published by St. Martin's Press, which previously had released the senator's memoir, Jane Sanders' book, was going to be about the couple's experience together in public service. A campaign aide told the Daily Mail at the time that the payment was made public. About seven years later, it is yet to be published, but Sanders has held onto their advance. In an email to Forbes, she was optimistic about the project following Bernie's book in the presidential campaign in COVID. I am currently writing it, and dare I say, it's shaping up to be quite good. She expects it to be published after the election. Tom. You were in the publishing business. You had a company back in the days called Premier Digital Publishing, right? We published a book together, yeah. uh, uh, Doing Your um, Impossible. Mm-hmm. So how long normal after the publisher gives the author an advance should they expect a book back from them? You're looking for your first draft of that book with structure in like nine months. <laughs> and then it usually takes about a year, as you know, Pat, for editing and prep and sure. marketing and everything. So usually about 18 months to 24 months, the book's on the market and out there and has been sold and you're out there talking on radio shows about it. And so to be this long, I think the problem is what the book is about. It was our successful moments in public service. <laughs> and I've heard, because I talked to somebody, they wanted 10 and she's only up to one. And so she needs to find the other nine successful so moments so funny. she can actually complete the book. I think that's what the problem is. Do you really think that's what the problem is? I think the problem is, it's probably, excuse me, I'm going to say a word here. It's probably a piece of shit. And St. <laughs> Martin's Press is Tom. saying, I need something different. I need something more. Pat, you have experience. Publishers have editors and experts that work on this, and they look at other books that are similar. They look at this very smart. And if she either hasn't produced it or what she's produced is unpublishable, and they're going back and forth on this. It's very simple. It's, I should get the money back. It's become, get the money back. It's become clear and clear and clearer to me that uh, we were all duped in 2016. Because a lot of people basically were enamored with Bernie Sanders. All oh, the millionaires and the billionaires. And, you know, he's a great storyteller. We talked about that. But storytelling is only a part of it. You actually have to have facts on your side. And the, the, it's become clear and clearer that there's Bernie Sanders, there's Sam Bankman-Fried, there's Bernie Madoff, and there's all something uh, very shammy and scammy about all these guys. And he just is still in Congress basically running his little scam out there. But, Rob, pull this up. Anytime that you look, if you ever want to know the difference between where capitalism prevails and socialism or collectivism and communists basically does not prevail, just look at the map of North Korea and South Korea, okay? And at night. And, like, how much (laughs) South Korea is glowing and how much North Korea is in the dark here, (laughs) right? So it's, Rob, you'll find it. But it. The, the policies is what you have to pay attention to. Yeah, you see all the lights going on in, South, in Korea? South Korea, and there's no lights going on there in North Korea. That's what's actually going on in Bernie Sanders' mind. He's telling you great stories. He's telling you that there's going to, the Green New Deal is going to do all this, and the wokeness and the leftness, and but, but there's no facts to support any of his nonsense. Uh, yeah, you, you know, so, so that, that part of the argument is great. From the business standpoint, if, if a company comes and gives you money that you raise, okay, they say, we'll give you $100 million, okay, they'll put a timeline. We want this money back within what, Tom? 
three, five, seven, nine, yeah, invest, ten years. It's right? called a redemption right, and they usually put like a five or seven year deadline. Perfect. A redemption right. Why would a publisher not put a redemption right and say, hey, mm-hmm. you got three years to give me a book. You got five years to give me a book. Okay, you're a big name. We'll give you five years. But you don't need seven years. Why am I giving you $106,000 for seven years? Because I think here's what happens. Um, Simon & Schuster, you know, uh, Warner Brooks, you know, Macmillan, they all compete with each other. Yeah. And what will happen is they'll want a big book from somebody be- that's just done something. First ladies, they want the book in the second year mm-hmm. of their term. You, you, every first lady has a book. Um, they're looking for it in the second year. And they all compete. So it's the word non-recoupable. And we hear the same. So that's a non-recoupable advance. So I'm giving you an advance. It'll be non-recoupable. But they fully believe that the book's going to get there. It's like Adam can talk about, he follows NBA quite a bit. There's guaranteed contracts. Yep. If you get hurt or not, if you want to resign so they a premier player. So they gave a guaranteed contract to Jane Sand. That's exactly. I believe that was probably a non-recoupable advance. Wow. The same way if you want to resign a guy, a guy's in the fifth year. You know what that is. He's played out his rookie contract, and now he's an all-star. His option. And he's got the option. So guess what the NBA will give him? A team will say, it's a $100 million comp contract and 20 a year is guaranteed you know it's crazy same thing you know what event was it when when sanders lost a bit of credibility with me i mean i think he's a true believer him and his wife they went to their honeymoon in soviet union i mean they fully believe communism they're not just like you know they're they're true believers they're all in however they're not half step what what (laughs) what happened was the most incredible story was under during his campaign when it was done done and he was campaigning for minimum wage should be $15. And he was paying his workers, a couple of them, 13 bucks an hour. Yeah, exactly. And that story came out. Yeah. That's when I realized, the campaign yeah. knock staff. it off with this $15 <laughs> an hour but stuff that you don't want to I'll pay your one, own guys. I'll say one more thing about yeah. the book. I, dude, I don't think anybody is excited to have this book come out. You know how sometimes we'll have booking meetings and you're like, all right, yeah, this person, let's get this person. But it has to be this week. It has to be in the next two weeks. we got to get them on here because the story's hot right now. Who gives a shit about Bernie Sanders, much less Bernie There's Sanders' life. wife right now? I, I, I think if I'm the publisher, yeah. I'm just like, dude, go take the money. You ripped us off. Bye. She should just make it like she's probably done one chapter because well, he's probably done one good thing. Just make the rest pop ups of just him going like, you know, like, like balloon hair. Do something. Make it interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think they do- don't care if she finishes the book or not. They're like, you stole the money. You Ponzi schemed us. Congratulations. Yeah. Have a great day. All right. Let's Bye. go to an uplifting story with Joy Reid. So MSNBC, <laughs> Joy Reid, and Moms of Liberty go at it. And you just have to see this exchange because MSNBC, Joy Reid, uh, criticized Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms of Liberty, over banning the memoir, All Boys Aren't Blue. From schools questioning for qualifications, what is the expertise that you have and other moms or liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book, isn't appropriate for students to read? Justice responds by stating, I don't have to be an expert to know that dildos are not appropriate for public schools. Okay, I can read the rest of it for you, but I'll let you see the clip. Rob, if you have the clip, I'm I'm sure Joy Reid's going to do a much better job than me reading this. Watch this clip here and parents. I really want to know, how are you reacting to this exchange? Rob, is this the full clip? Go ahead and play the clip. Go ahead and play the clip. 
that I'm asking is, what is the expertise that oh you have God. and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue isn't oh. appropriate for students to read? What, what is your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family member. So you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Please um, do. In what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm -hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no, no. no wait, We're talking on. about no, no, public no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me questions. Sure. Well, I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character in All Boys Ain't Blue? What a question. You're you asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book, so you're presenting yourself as somebody expert. It's the gentleman. Hold on. The main, who's the main character in the, the book? The main well, character is the author. Who's the, What's his name? George, I believe, is his first because name. Because you're giving me very specific information that is you're asking you need to remember the name of an author. You the just name remembered of the author very specific name. Joy. Here's my We're question. Oh, Here's my question. You didn't answer my no, question. No, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to answer. Great. Your question. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm interviewing you, and you're not interviewing me. So let's a, just make what, sure it's a I, conversation. Okay. Okay. What, so what I'm saying to you is that Ugh. as you are not an expert in this book, I don't or, have to hold be an expert. Hold on. Hold on a second. One moment. One moment. I mean, this book is a full context story. As you said, of the author's experience. I cannot Why this is it your right or a Moms TV. for Liberty mm -hmm. activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, oh which gives a personal gosh. experience this of this author, MSNBC. this is that, embarrassing. That, why doesn't oh, a MSNBC. liberal parent, oh for instance, God. or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? So, again, we're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia. And Boy, each parent... Each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child to read. So I want you to answer... I'm going to ask so you one more a, time. Right. What is your right to tell a parent who wants their child, who might feel seen <laughs> by this story... Why don't oh they God. have the oh right? Why God. don't they have the right as a parent to say my child can have access to this book? If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they have been uh, the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member. They, they they've experienced um, and your proof of that is what oh you God. just said that What's the your child feels seen by this story. You're now making assumptions. No, about Joy, it, but, no, no. but if a Let child you has an, been raped, you should do a lot better than put a She can't be this Okay, be honest with me. Do you think she's that Stupid, no, or this not. is the narrative because by the way, let's not forget who's who, by the way, never trust anybody that, that's hair looks like this to make any decisions about anything about you and your kids. What she's what she's doing right here is one of the reasons people like me always think that the left is always over sexualizing kids and doesn't care about topics like this, and that's why everybody's always like, dude, they, they why what is she talking about? What is she even talking about? And let's not forget who Joy Reid is. She's the one, member on the panel with Bill Maher, when uh, Ann Coulter was like, Donald Trump's the, what's it called? She made that face like, she's an idiot. There's no way she could think like Tom, this. Tom, when you hear this, logically, when you hear this, a, a host of a brand, MSNBC, saying it's okay for a book with dildos and a, pedophilia. pedophilia. And well, how, do you, how do you process this as a prayer, Tom? <clears throat> so Joy Reid is a pathetic mouthpiece of the left that wants to sexualize children and wants to make sure that onboarding and grooming materials are present uh, on the shelves of libraries and public schools. It's as simple as that. They want the stuff on there. They want the progressive 
sexualization of kids. That's that's the purpose here. Now, I happen to think that uh, this woman could have done better for herself. I would have known the author. I would have known his date of birth. I would have known the name of the publisher, and I would have fired back at her pretty hard on, on those. So I think she could have been a little bit more informed and kind of fought back against it. But Joy Reid's whole angle here is to discredit her. That's all she's trying to do. She was not arguing even for the book. She's just trying to discredit the other side. I'm interviewing you. You're not interviewing me, meaning I'm here to ask a bunch of questions to discredit you. But all I see is a mouthpiece for the left to uh, advocate to putting this stuff on the shelves in public schools to allow kids to have access to it, to act on their curiosities yeah, or it. act on their depression. Adam. That's that's her that's her job here. Adam. Look, uh, it's becoming clear and clearer who she is. You know, she's going to reap what she sow. I just Googled Joy Reid just to kind of see what's popping up. If you Google Joy Reid, do it right now. The first thing that pops up is Joy Reid strap on. So congratulations, Idiot. Joy. This is now the word associated Don't with Google your name. Don't Google strap on, Robert. Is that a... No. Wait a minute. Just, just, just Joy, Joy Reid. That's the first thing that Google pops strap up. On Joy Reed. The second a... thing that pops up is yeah. Joy Reid hair. And I realize, where, where have I seen this hair before? And it's one of our favorite movies over here. Rob, if you could pull that up. We saw her... Go full retard <laughs> in Tropic Thunder. We recognize that uh, hairdo. And you know they said... Make me... Yeah, I knew They it. said, you know, never go full retard over here. <laughs> but, you know, I also found out that Joy has three kids. And she's married. I didn't... I thought she might have been a lesbian. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but she's got three kids. So I want to know if she's going to let her kids... Uh, read this book. I want to know if she's encouraging her kids well, to enjoy well, this type of lifestyle. The youngest child that she has is 24 years old. So okay. uh, if her child was in elementary or middle school, that was, what, 15 years ago before this was, you know, prevalent for most yeah. schools to have these types of books. Her youngest child her. is 24. How old is she? Jesus. Anyway, good for her. Um, but uh, she's just a an absolute shell I'm actually, of whatever's I'm happening wanting, I'm here. actually wanting to talk real, like, substance here. Forget about, you know, you calling her idiot or shill or this and this and that. Or, uh, uh, Tom, we'll come back to Tom. You sound something awesome. Hang tight. We'll come to you, Tom. So forget about, you know, uh, uh, what she is and, you know, all the name calling. The, the average parent who doesn't follow politics closely is 80% of parents. 80% of parents don't care about politics. They don't follow it. They don't turn on CNN. They don't turn on Fox. They don't turn on MSNBC. They don't turn these things on. Maybe they get the news as it gets a little bit closer to the election cycle, maybe a little bit. But they're watching a Netflix show at night. They're watching a series at night. They're watching something like that at night. You mean to tell me you're okay with kids in school reading an award-winning book for, you know, all Boys on Blue, which is banned, by the way, go to the top, which is banned by how many schools? 29. 29 school districts, and you think it's okay? You know, and she asked the question, in what context is a dildo strap-on acceptable? And she says, let that be the decision of a parent? What the hell are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? By the way, I'm curious. I'd love, I would love the survey of, you know, 100,000 Democratic mothers who have kids of the ages of 4 to 12 years old, and ask them, what do you think about what Joey Reid said? I would be so curious to know what percentage of them actually would agree with Joey Reid. Why would I want that? By the way, this is not even a conversation about the parents that are like, well, you know, what's wrong if you're, you know, some people are born gay. That's their argument that they want to make. Fine, go to that argument. But do you want them to be gay? 
There's a difference between somebody being, you know, you're thinking yeah. you believe they were born gay. Okay, but do you want them to be gay? Some people want their kids. I to know be gay. they do. They dress that, them up. Yeah, that's yeah, the course. problem, right? Yeah. Some people want that to be the case. So why why would you give them a book like this and be okay with this being out there? Logic is lost. By the way, this is going to catch up to these guys. It's going to. The one thing about content creation and you being on TV and saying what you're saying, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to catch up to you that you said five years ago, 10 years ago, 15. You're going to be like, did I really say that? that? What the hell? What was that all about? One day people are going to sit there and say, "I re- no, I, I'm not, I, I'm, there's no way in the world I would say that a strap on dildo is okay. What I said was let the parents decide. This is nonsense what people are talking about. And this is the part of America that's a little weird, that majority of left, right, center, they all agree on these topics. This is weird. Stop imposing this. Go talk pro-life, pro-choice, debate that. Go talk, you know, amount of budget for military, debate that. Go talk healthcare, Obamacare, debate that. But this doesn't make any sense when you're imposing something like this to me because as a parent, I don't want to hear any of this stuff in front of my kids. Tom, you were going to share something you saw about the book. What were you going to point out? Yeah, I think people need to know the books that their kids are reading. And you can't just take word for it here on the description. All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir manifesto. Manifestos are declarations. And then I look at the last line of the description from the publisher. Johnson's emotionally frank style of writing will appeal directly to young adults. If you're reading this summary here and you're not really informed, you could be mistaken into thinking that perhaps... This is a book about trial and tribulation and that there's something good in it. And the second paragraph, both as a primer for teens eager to be allies, as well as a reassuring testimony for young queer men of color. So that sounds like, oh, wait a minute. This is a this is an engaging book. This is a. It sure as hell is a primer. We call it grooming. And so you you read this. You got to be and teachers pick who what teachers and the award winning who would get the award from. So you have to be so careful in this life and you have to be aware. And I'm glad that there's a woman willing to go on TV, willing to be go toe to toe with Joy Reid and to get attacked and everything, trying to get the message out that says this particular book and many books like it. Boy, parents, you better. Why is it that we'll read that informed parents will read the ingredients on a bag on a bag of potato chips, but won't take time to really look into what's really in the books our kids are reading? And Pat, even from the book publisher, look at this description at the bottom, reading age 16 plus years old. So they're not recommending this for wow. elementary school children. And look at the grade level, 10 to 12, wow. that's sophomore so why, to so senior. Why, so, so why are kids exactly. even having access to it? And that's why it goes to the point. Great, great, great observation, Rob, because I was about to say, like, that's that's recommended. It's not saying that these younger kids aren't getting it. And it goes back to the point, Tom. What is the end game, end goal? Because, by the way, Joy Reid had all those papers that was a planned attack on, on that mother. And it's to sexualize these little kids for futures to come. Because guess what? Then if somebody, some guy wants to get close to them, they're like, oh, yeah, this is, this is normal. Get it I on the shelf, it. baby. Get it on yeah, the get shelf. get it on the shelf. Yeah, this is, why we always, this is why we always hear it's not, it's no longer education. It's indoctrination. Exactly. Listen, if you're a 17-year-old kid, you're 18-year-old kid, you're a senior, junior in high school, school you know you're grown up enough to do what you want to do at that point you can drive a car you could read a book stay the hell away from the 10 year olds and but, the six year by the way let me ask you a question old. this guy george johnson do you think he's straight married kids 100 percent gay I think, what do you think if it's his story he's gay it's Tom, his do you story. think this guy's oh that's, yeah that's him 
Oh, yeah. Is that a turtleneck with a do-rag? Yeah, he's gay. Zoom in. 100%. <laughs> turtleneck, do-rag, he's gay. Zoom in right there, Rob. Can you zoom in? Go back to the Not that there's anything the wrong with that, Vinny. To the top. No, I'm just right saying. Right there. Uh, uh, all the way at the top. He's a queer African-American, best known as the author of the memoir, yeah. Manifesto, All Boys Aren't right. Blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did so, it say 16 plus? Yeah, it said 16. You know how they have that in the movies? The PG 13, NC 17. They should have the exact same thing for and, books. And by the way, 10 year old kids should not be reading this freaking book. By the way, God, I, I, I'm not bashing this guy. Like, who knows? Maybe the stuff that he went through confused him and made him. It has nothing against him. And guess what? If you want to read that book, fine. But yeah. why is there any access to somebody that's, you know, six years old, seven years old? There's no explanation. No. And Joy, like, the only reason they can't fire Joy, Joy Reed is because she checks all the boxes. They can't fire her. So, by the way, you know, for the people that are listening, you're like, look, man, just stop with this woke stuff. Just stop with this, you know, fear porn with parents. Nothing is really going on. Like, what's wrong with this uh, all boys are not blue or whatever? Okay. So tell me this is a little bit weird. Washington State Democrats propose replacing the term sex offender to advance a person-first approach. So, which means is a bill, House Bill 2177, to replace the term sex offender with uh, uh, sex offense in the sex offender's policy. This change aims to shift uh, towards a person-first approach, which the bill allowing uh, level three sex offenders, the most dangerous, to serve on the board alongside six crime victims. Let let me read this to you again. (laughs) Please. Which means a level three sex offender's. Okay, allowing this bill allows level three sex offenders, the most dangerous ones, to serve on the board alongside sex crime victims. Okay, state representative Tara Simmons, a Democrat and former felon, supports the bill, believing that sex offenders have invaluable information to share. (laughs) (laughs) SOPB chair Brad Maryhugh also backs the proposal, welcoming the inclusion of voice that provide a reality check in public policy, Republican State Representative Dan Griffey opposes the measure questioning why the board should have a convicted sex offender as a member. The bill follows previous efforts in Washington to release sexually violent predators and place them in less restrictive uh, alternative near child care facilities. Tom, is this like a... By the way, again... You read this and you say, are these guys serious? Tom, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, these legislatures in, in, in Washington state have just lost their freaking mind. There's no, sense, there's no sense of logic in this. There's no sense of you, – you, you read this and you say, where's the logic? Okay, you say, okay, even though I disagree with them, where's he coming from and what does he think is really going to happen? You know, there are a lot of things. It's like um, the Treasury Department worked with counterfeiters. There's a whole movie, Catch Me If You Can, that talks about yeah. how the Treasury Department... Frank Abingill. Yeah, yeah, took a guy who was a counterfeiter and a, and, a, and a financial felon, and he eventually consulted, you know, he got his life clean. He got... He had to get clean. He had no way to be employed to do anything. And he told them, this is how these crimes are committed. This end, it was incredibly helpful and it created banking security things. There's one thing to do that, to take uh, criminals who are demonstrated um, that they have been, you know, um, I don't want to say healed, but they they got their life together and stuff and they come back and say, hey, here's your leaks in the system where... You know, people like what I used to do where we can get access to your kids. 
That's helpful. Not on the board, serving on the board, and not in a less restrictive alternative near a child care facility? Near a child care facility? Are you kidding me? I, I, I don't understand it. I'm just trying to find the logic in this, and it's just State Representative Tara Simmons, a Democrat and former felon. Hey, look, there's hope for Trump to be elected, you know. It's, it's, the, it's the, so she's a former felon supporting the bill. So I, what I see here, I see just a lack of logic. You can use former criminals to help you find leaks and to make things safe and change in the future. You can do that. But putting them on the board and then giving them, you know, actual access, this to me is just lunacy. Adam. Yeah, I mean, I you, uh, hit you took the, the words of my, right out of my mouth. I, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Frank Abagnale um, at a meeting uh, a handful of years ago. If you're not familiar with who this guy is, Leonardo DiCaprio played him in Catch Me If You Can. And he told his story about basically running away as a teenager and uh, check fraud and wire fraud and cash and checks and did all this. And he knew the ins and outs of what it was to do money laundering and check fraud and everything like that. And then Tom Hanks in the movie basically Catch Me If You Can tried to catch him. And there was that whole cat and mouse game. But basically he ended up becoming an informant for the FBI. Um, and we've seen this a million times with the mafia, people basically informing, and you know, we, we don't want to go down that path or something like that. We've also seen people like former ISIS members that come out and basically inform level-headed democracies. This is what's going on over there. So that's, you know, if I can just try to spin this in a positive light, which is very hard to do in this situation, that's what I'd like to believe is happening here. Hey, here's how us sickos think. Hey, here's us how us weirdos are looking for. Because we saw the, the sound of freedom. We, we know what's going on. So if we can utilize these sickos to help catch more sickos, great. But some of these stories are not adding up right here. And I, I think change, I think any time that they, they like to replace terms to me, like updating terms like mm -hmm. pedophile, they change right. it to minor attracted person. Right. You're a pedophile. Stop trying to soften the language because when you soften the language, it doesn't make the, the act any, any less crazy. Like you're a pedophile. Because when I hear map, I'm like, oh, it's just, it's just a map. That's, no, that's right. no, no. You're a pedophile and you have to be separated from society. I'm sick and tired of the language changing because that's, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. The culture changes the language, but the act, the person is still there and they shouldn't be in the public well, yeah, it's, again, it's, it all comes down to not hurting people's feelings, despite the fact that they're freaking pedophiles. I don't here. give a shit about to, your feelings. Exactly, you're a you belong in jail. We just saw we did a story uh, two weeks ago that uh, fat people they're getting two free seats on a plane <laughs> because they're no longer obese; they're persons of size. Yeah, so they don't want to offend the fat people out there. You mean, Make you, them pay. When you worry about terms, you're back to worry about feelings. The point Adam made about feelings about 15 minutes ago, and he's absolutely right. You know, you're not a thief. You're a non-permission borrower. Right. I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to take everything that we have because we have feelings? We don't like the way the term feels. Well, look, if you don't like the way, what do they teach you? You know, I've been part of, um, um, you know, uh, I'm going to say this carefully. Do I, it. I've been part of 
recovery sessions where I was invited to come support someone who is in recovery. And one of the first things they teach you is to not soften it. And at the beginning of these sessions, I sat in this kind of this back row and they all walk in, they stood up and they stated their name and they say, I am an alcoholic. And then they sit down. And then one of the guys stood up and he said, I am an alcoholic and I seriously have injured the relationships in my family. And he sat down. He apparently he's not supposed to or doesn't have to say the other part of it, but he said it bluntly. Why? Because he wanted to accept, oh, responsibility and accountability for what he was, and he's there in a group to get encouragement to go forward. And if we turn this into feelings, oh, that feels bad, oh, that feels bad, then really what you're doing is you're just moving accountability off of the person who has done things in society called criminals, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felon, you you committed a crime, and, and you're you're softening it and you're just taking the accountability out of society. Great yeah. point, Tom. So let's go to the next story. Uh, Goldman Schriffin, Schriffin sees four rate cuts, uh, 2% inflation for 2024. Uh, he predicts the Federal Reserve will lower interest rates four times in 2024 starting in March and that inflation will reach the central bank's 2% target. He also expects European Central Bank and Bank of England to follow suit, but the Bank of Japan to raise rates in April. April, He advises investors to look for opportunities in emerging markets such as Turkey and recommends Chinese stocks as a contrarian buy after the local benchmark hits pandemic lows. He believes that the first half of 2024 will be marked by choppy range-bound markets as markets react to the timing and the pace of Fed rate cuts, even though risky assets are expected to perform well throughout the year. He also predicts that the Fed will modify its inflation target to a range of one and a half to two and a half percent once the two percent target is achieved and the next move in U.S. yields will likely be upward. Tom. So what we're hearing from Goldman Sachs is basically um, Schifrin and Schifrin. Uh, I don't say I like Joshua because I don't really know him, but I've read a lot of his stuff and he tends to be a pretty level head and a pretty long, long range uh, thinker. And so through that lens, I usually read what he's writing with some interest. And what's interesting here is I also balance out what we're hearing from the Fed. Fed Board of Governors, people have been saying, and you may have heard this, uh, well, we think that rates may have to be higher longer. And they're not saying how many, you know what I mean, Pat, but you've heard the phrase higher longer. And what that means is that they're probably going to go longer before they reduce it. And that's right in line and why he's interpreting this to say, hey, the feds said six rate cuts. And it was it goes back to like uh, November. They said they foresaw six rate cuts in 2024. They haven't repeated that. That hasn't been repeated a lot. Um, they've been now going to higher longer. And I think what he's pointing out is that you can take a look at the Dow and although Main Street and um, Wall Street are not together, you're seeing an economy that is really trying to drive a little bit. Um, we've got good news and bad news on consumer spending, on not just the spending, but how they're paying for it. And so inflation is being a little stubborn right now. It's not at 2%. It's down lower. Certain commodities like gasoline are lower, which is a break. Heating oil is a little lower right now, which is a bit of a break, although the Middle East could raise that up. And what he, I think, is pointing out is that Hey, point number one, I think rates are going to be higher longer. Point number two, I only think there's going to be four rate cuts next year, which means if you're dreaming about a 4.75% mortgage next year, that means this year, 24, uh uh-uh, not going to happen. But it'll break six. Oh, I think, yeah, I think it'll break six. Mm -hmm. I think 
I think we'll see 575 at the end of the year. It's a whole nother discussion I don't want to dive into, but I'll just give you two headlines. Right now, the banks are keeping about a 3% profit on the Fed rate to the mortgage rate, and you can see that represented by the 10-year treasury. That's the way to look at it. They usually have that about one and a half to two. Means the banks right now want to make more profits on mortgages because they think they will be lower in the future, but they're not going to get back down to like a, a, a real, what I would call a consumer activity trigger rate, which would be like 475. Adam. Well, no, I, the, 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 the one question that Vinny always asks is, when's a good time to buy? When's a good just, time to I buy? I was just going to say that. So uh, to all the people out there in the mortgage market, I mean, we see the, the articles out there from the Wall Street Journal that there's never been a worse time to buy, and the math just doesn't add up. So if you're in the market to buy a, a house, just pay attention to what's going on there with the interest rates. You know, I, and for, all the, for all that we hear about politics and Trump and Biden and DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Gavin and Newsom, Low-key, the most important person in America is Jerome Powell. I mean, this is the guy that makes unemployment tick and make interest rates tick and inflation and all this fun stuff. So pay attention to what's going on with this guy, Jerome Powell. But it's good news for the people who are looking to buy houses or maybe refinance their house that these interest rates potentially in 2024 are going to be coming down. You're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Every veteran out there has a one-time low, very low interest rate. For, mm-hmm. for a house, I think the money went up to what? I think 700 yeah. PBD, you got to utilize that one of well, these the, days, the, man. Well, gotta, I, I would have used it PBD. for So my question is for you, <laughs> if, if, like, for instance, like, put me in, and for all the vets out there, God bless you, thank you guys for your service. Um, wh- does it matter if you have that one-time low interest rate to buy a house and that this doesn't affect us? You know what I mean? What do you mean? So, like, right now, because this rate, well, we, if I want a loan right now for a house, because I'm a veteran, I get a one-time it's I don't think it's a low interest rate. I think it's a low down payment. You no, have to put three no, no, percent no. down. They're no, just no, giving you a no, free. No, interest we get rate. a very low. Veterans right. get a, uh, a a low interest rate. Is this for for one time, first time VAs for a veteran? I know, I know, it's ridiculously low. I think this is it. I don't think it's a set number that's never going to change. Yeah. I think it's just lower than what others would be paying. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, on the interest rates above, show the options of purchase discount account. On one point one percent. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think even if you look at this chart here for thirty or fixed. Yeah, you're, you're get, looking at six percent. You're, okay. you're getting one percent off, and this is a yeah. buy down. If you look, read the fine print, you're actually buying down the rate. And and uh, and Bob, can you say if this is this a first time? The first time. I'm not saying in general. I'm talking about the first time your first loan yeah. for. I don't know. I'm glad. I'm really glad that we're doing a real estate mortgage intervention for Vinny right now Thank on you. air on camera. This is working out well. Let's look into this later, yeah. Ben. But don't buy a house right now. Wait for the rates to come down. I'm moving in with you and your cats. <laughs> Your cats. All right. Buy now, pay later. Holiday debt hangover has arrived as consumers wonder how they'll pay, pay their bills. Many Americans turn to buy now, pay later. Kiki Anderson, one of what a great name. Kiki Anderson, one such consumer, used Klarna, Klarna and PayPal to make purchases, resulting in $1,700 in debt, leading her to sell items to make payments. Why'd you buy it in the first place? Buy now, pay later surge. Uh, uh, usage surge during holiday season, contributing to $16.6 billion to online spending with a 43% spike on Cyber Monday. However, concerns arise about consumers being buried uh, under micropayments. The impact of buying up pay later and overall debt remains unclear due to limited disclosure from providers like Klarna, PayPal, Affirm. Uh, Tom, how how bad is it based on the numbers you're seeing? Well, I I want Adam's opinion as well, but it's pretty bad. What I'm reading was that they didn't put it in the CNBC story. They are 40% 
uh, uh, late payment rates on these, on the BNPL, 40% late payment. And that came out the first week of January, which means from Black Friday through holiday spending, suddenly, because remember, these bills are due two weeks later. Two weeks later, you make a payment. Two weeks later, make a payment. Two weeks later, make a payment. They don't, they, they these have a, a very short leash. Um, Leash is a sensitive word this week. That's right. Well, 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 we, have, we, have, we have a good friend in Las Vegas. Yeah. I won't use that word in front of him, I promise. Um, the So it's 40% late payment rates on this. Why? And why did they use it? They use it because they, they ran the credit cards in this country all the way up to $1 trillion of total balances. So the consumer was looking for some more credit to go purchase, and they use buy now, pay later. They were already a little strapped. And guess what? 40% of them are late. And so the, they're calling it a debt hangover. It's not a debt hangover. It's a debt overextension. Mm-hmm. Adam, oh, nice. Well, one thing, they, they forgot to add one line to this, to the uh, buy now, pay later thing. And then it's buy now, pay later. You're broke after that. Because if you don't have the money to pay for something now, if you think that you're going to somehow manifest the money two weeks later that you don't have, you're in for a slippery slope and you're in for basically what happens when we go to people like, like Amscot and you go for these payday loans and next thing you know, you're paying 400% on your money. Short-term thinking will end up with long-term problems. You think that you can just start spending your way out of the holidays, buy some knife kits for the family, and all of a sudden you're going to have a money. Just show up at your doorstep in January. It doesn't work that way. And can we just talk about the fictitious holidays that we're just making up at this point for people to spend money? I get it. You want to spend money on Christmas. Cool. You want to spend money on New Year's. I get it. Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, family. But they're just making up holidays for us to spend money on, okay? (laughs) It's Cyber Monday, and it's Black Thursday, and it's what's the Tuesday one now? You know, have a party on Tuesday. There's Small Business Saturday. (laughs) They're just making up days for us to spend money, and they're encouraging us, you don't need money. You'll pay us back later with 400% interest, that is. So it's a disaster out there, as I always say. Save that money. money. You know, that's why, you know, I don't, you guys always ask how come I don't participate in Cyber Mondays or yeah. Black Fridays. I'm waiting for like a brown Thursday. Yeah. There's no, you know what I'm like how, waiting for? I want some Why can't we get something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 give me a Thursday. Brown Thursday. Brown Thursday. Brown Thursday. Hang on. I will give you TV. I have the census map of San Francisco. It looks like every day is brown day. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a, that's yeah. a different kind of a different brown. Sound. Anyway, shout uh, out to Kiki the, Anderson, learning the hard. Yeah, exactly. Kiki, do you love me? Yeah, uh, more single women Uh-oh. are buying homes. Yes. Yahoo Finance. A report from Maxwell indicates that single women. Uh, uh, 22 per, constitute, uh, uh, constitute 22% of mortgage applications in 2023, with 35% of these applications ages 25 to 34, and many earning less than $100,000 annual. The rise of single women in the housing market suggests a shift in demographic with millennials and Gen Z showing interest in home ownership. Many women are willing to relocate for more affordable housing options, emphasizing their commitment to build on equity. Factors such as increased female participation in the labor force and a growing number of households led by women contribute to this trend. Each woman in long-term relationships are opting for solo home ownership, often because they earn more than their partners. By the way, mm-hmm. more single women buying homes. It's not because more single women are buying homes. It's because there are more single women today than before because marriage is not a hot commodity today. On the same uh, a story that we have here at the bottom, you hear this other one says, childless future. 
<laughs> birth rate plunging as millennials decide against being parents, right? So this isn't just because single women are buying homes. They're not wanting to get married. Those numbers are higher today. They don't want to have kids. It's higher today. Let me read this study to you. A study by the University of Southampton and the Generation of Gender program found that less than a fifth of millennials ages 26 to 35 are certain they want to become parents. The study reveals a correlation with declining birth rates as only 19% of younger millennials expressed a definitive desire to have children while 30% leaned towards probably wanting children. The desire of children among Generation Z ages 18 to 24 is also declining compared to previous generations. 15% of Gen Z respondents stated that they definitely do not want children, suggesting that the birth rate in UK may continue to decrease. The study also highlights that the high cost of childcare and parents typically spending an average of $711 per month on childcare. For more, for lower income household, childcare expenses can account 20 to 30% of their income. So, one, single women buying homes because they don't want to get married, and more people, more younger generation don't want to have kids. Tom, what do you see here with these numbers? Well, first of all, if you're a single woman with a home and you're looking for a patriotic, stable husband, this morning I signed agreement. I'm representing Vinny. You can find him on Manek, mm-hmm. and for $25, you could ask a question and begin an interview process that could end in a fruitful relationship. Again, women with homes, please. Find Vinny on the neck. What I think here, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a BS uh, headline. I think you called it there because there's more. There are more women that are single and not married than now. And what has happened now is we've become we've kind of devalued the long term relationship. Is what we've done. And when you devalue the long term relationship, people aren't getting married. And when you and when they see all the issues and the expense of having kids, some people make a rational. What they think is they don't realize the joy you can have having kids and, and, and what you're actually bringing to society. Yes, kids are expensive, but you, you know what? You know, generational creation actually makes a better, stronger society. And I think they see all the expense and they see all of the they, they're in this mindset of like short term hookup culture. And you have people that don't value long-term relationships and think of kids as just a pure expense. And then you're screaming in their ear that, you know, that, you know, you should do what you want to do, be who you want to be and do all this. None of that speaks to, hey, what about leading and serving and giving yourself to other human beings in a family? Listen, just manek me, lady single. Let's have a kid. It's crunch time. With, <laughs> with the house. With well, the house. I say this all the time. Uh, if right. there's anybody I want commenting on modern day hookup culture, it's Tom Ellsworth. The biz doc. Nobody understands what it's like to be out in these streets, in these clubs, in these bars like Tom. And that's what I love about you, Tom. So, TBD, you okay, man? Good? I mean, the truth hurts here, guys. But, Tom, great breakdown. But, but Tom, to, to be genuine, that's the kind of guy you actually probably want to mirror your life around because he's actually a grown-up man with kids. Vinny, I pray for that for yourself and for, for you too. For, for me as well. Yep. But the, the, you, the, this story, it seems heartwarming on the surface. Um, single women are buying homes. That's great. But let me tell you what happens, ladies. You're going to be 35 years old. You move into your new house. You're going to be all set up. You're going to be going on. And then you're going to set up all the stuff around the house. You got to put stuff together. You're going to need some nails. You're going to need some uh, hammers. You're going to need some screwdrivers. And there's going to be no dude there to help you out. 
So I don't think that's the type of lifestyle you want. If you want that Chelsea Handler lifestyle, wake up every day. You're 48 years old. You got no kids. You got 17 dildos. And you're just going to town on yourself with a glass of with vodka. some Percocets and some vodka. Sign up for the Chelsea Handler mortgage. It's only 7% right now. And it's going to last you the rest of your life of miserableness. So... The breakdown of traditional families, the breakdown of traditional values is basically what we're seeing uh, seep into America. And for the people out there that's like, what do you mean? Uh, men, you, you and Vinny, you're in your 40s and you're single. Well, a newsflash, women can't have kids after 40 for the most part. Al Pacino just had a kid when he's freaking 82. Yeah. The math don't add up. It's a yeah. little bit different. So, you know, slide into Vinny's Minek DM. Slide into my Minek DM, gentlemen, if you need some coaching with that. But there, there's no way that that <laughs> this this is going to be a happy ending for a lot of these women that move into their houses. But Vinny, but maybe that we can reverse the roles. So if you wake, if you if you're with, you move in with this girl and you guys break up, you can sue her and take half her shit. I love like that. happens to ninety eight percent of men when they go through a divorce. Al Pacino. So old, try that out. How old is Al Pacino? He had a baby. Eighty three. You think when he had orgasms, he goes hua? <laughs> well, at that age, it's like hua. Yeah, but it, it's it's. <laughs> I think that every... I'm just getting warmed up. I'm getting warmed up. I think that, and this is the PBD's credit. Take another blue pill. (laughs) Every single one of us needs to transition at one point to being selfish to selfless. And women have to make that move quicker than men. Men can hold out a little bit longer. But I say the same thing to my buddies who are 40. Some are almost approaching 50. Guys, you can't be out here still... You know, all up in the club. But and there's nothing sadder than when I see a 44-year-old woman still out in the club, and I knew her from high school. I'm oh, like, just no. go home. Get out of here. Get out of here. Hua. All right. A couple stories left, and then we'll wrap up. Biden DOJ finally admits Hunter Biden's laptop is real. And this is, uh, this is so funny. Yeah, it is funny. But I'm still listen, talking we're making about progress, yeah. guys. We're making progress. Yeah. The Justice Department has officially confirmed the authenticity of Hunter Biden's laptop, a development that comes after years of suppressing disinformation. The OJ's acknowledgement is based on the laptop being left at a computer store and its contents matching what investigators obtained via search warrant at Hunter's iCloud. The laptop from Hell Story, initially reported by the New York Post, faced significant denial and discrediting by the media with the CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times, eventually acknowledging its authenticity. In an interview with the White House and Means Committee, IRS Supervisory Criminal Investigative Agent Gary Shapley, a whistleblower, revealed that FBI extensively analyzed the laptop and federal prosecutors expressed confidence that it was indeed Hunter Biden's laptop that had not been manipulated. Shapley affirmed it was a reliable evidence. Tom. So I look, this is one. Let's connect the dots. The media has been unleashed in the last six months to write stories that were critical of Joe Biden, his capabilities, his mental acuity. We've seen it. And these are top tier frontline mainstream media writing stories. Check. Obama attempts to talk to Biden right before Christmas to strategize about you got to get serious about this. You should get my my boy David Pollock involved. You should get some folks in here from my campaign to help you out. Apparently, Biden's people said, nope, don't want to do that. Obama circled back again as the story goes and said, look, you got people at the White House and you got people 100 miles away in Virginia that are trying to run this campaign. You're disconnected. Apparently, Biden said, thank you, Barack. We got this. And what did Obama do? Leaked it to the media. The mainstream media had the same 
article, the same story in unison. What does that have to do with the laptop? Well, guess what? The next data point comes out. The DOJ, this is Biden. They call it Biden's DOJ, but it's basically the DOJ that's sort of divorcing itself from Biden and saying, yeah, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it was a reliable evidence and it was pictures of a young girl, picture of him snorting and a couple of emails where he actually referenced uh, getting his dad, you know, the president involved and uh, getting kickbacks from foreign governments for fake consulting with energy companies. Yeah, it, it was real. Yeah, well, th- guess what? So, this is a this is the perfect. And again, you have to tip your hat to the left. The Democrats, these cats play to win, and they have a great playbook. Okay, they have not only have the F- with this story, they have the FBI go there to to Twitter, shut down every single story. Okay, and then four years later, this is what they want. They wanted to drag it on so long that now when we hear it. We're like, we're over it. Everybody's like, ah, no, it's not cares? that we're over it. It's what's next. Follow no. the, follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah, follow the breadcrumbs. What I'm crumbs. saying is though, when this came out, do you know when this would have been hot, which would have changed voters idea, ideas on, on who to vote for was during the election. So what I'm saying yeah. is right now, even right now, while you read that, I went, uh, uh, are we still talking about it? Like it's, I'm, t- I'm personally tired of it. I know it's real. I know what he did on it. I know about the drugs. I know about the cocaine and but the underage looking. Follow around. the breadcrumbs. Rob, Vinny, when is that right. story? You're Rob, right. When is that story? That article the- came out the 51 or Can 50. Can you zoom out so I yes. can see who the logo is at the top? Uh, this is from Politico. This is from uh, Politico yes, saying that's <laughs> so funny. And this but, but, is yeah, from uh, but, October 19th of 2020 when 50 former senior intelligence yeah. officials signed a letter two weeks stating before that, election. Correct, yeah. that the Hunter Biden correct. laptop was Russian disinformation. But so, they're brilliant, though. But, but Tom, did you feel, like, do you understand what they do? Senior, by the way, senior intelligence. By the way, by the heads, way. the top. I, I didn't realize that there was an, uh, an argument over whether the laptop. Actually exist. What do you mean? They said. Hear me out. It's fake. I want to. I thought that. I thought the argument was, what's in correct the laptop. Correct. So basically, not the existence when of a laptop. Laptops, we had plural. There was okay, but we laptop. had what's his name? John Paul Mac Isaac. Yeah, the, the great ha- guy, the half blind guy that was here. Yeah. He said, I touched it, I felt it. I can't see half the shit, but yeah. I have it. By right. the way, his house got swatted the other day oh, did it by really? the Delaware PD, this friend he right here. He has those crazy eyes where he can see Pat and well, Tom at he, the same time. Now he's watch blind, this. Vinny. No, he's but, not. He wasn't blind. He was looking at Tom guys, and Pat. Guys, no, no, he's When you see laptop, when you he's see blind. the word laptop, substitute it in your mind, election deception tool. And so in 2020, the laptop was an election deception tool Two weeks before, so that they could basically manipulate the election toward Biden against Trump. Now they're using the election deception tool to prepare for the movement of Biden aside. Adam, don't start yelling. I'm going there again. Um, And now the question is, what do you do with it? This basically all but guarantees you need to pardon Hunter. And it also means if you're pardoning Hunter and you have all the stuff in there that was very incriminatory about Biden and the family members actually taking the money, how do you pardon Biden? If you lose the election, you can't pardon Biden. If Gavin Newsom wins the election and the deal is pardon him on the first day, damn well, you better win that election, right? Of course. How do you pardon Biden? That's a good. That's a great point. I believe that not only do you have to say, um, you know, um, at the convention, there'll be some guys back backstage who throw a bunch of bags down the stairs. OK. Oh, my gosh. 
Did you hear that? Biden has fallen downstairs. We need a new candidate. So they're going to architect something at the convention, yeah. right? Yeah. He slipped and fell in the, in the shower, w- whatever it is, or for the good of the company, for the good of the country, I've decided to step aside, step aside yeah. and I will allow someone else to be here. However, they architect that. And I think it's happening at the convention. Now the question is, how do you pardon Biden? I think he has to resign and you got to get Kamala to do it for one day. But then my question would be, if I was Kamala Harris, that's got a big old price tag on it. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. So you're pushing me aside. I'm out. I'm not going to run. She's got an ego. She wants to run. And you're going to set aside for one day and you want me to pardon him for one day. So I get to be the first female president for one day and I'm going to pardon him. It says you got to put a couple more zeros on that. Oh, so my question is, and all this, follow the breadcrumbs. It is steadily leading to Biden is out. And it's very steadily leading to that. Look at the just look at the breadcrumbs that are in plain sight that are being leaked by the left. And he can pardon his family, but he can't pardon himself. They basically reminded Donald Trump that you can't pardon yourself. Remember how loud they yelled? You can't pardon yourself on yeah. the last day out of here. You yeah. can't do that. Well, how do you pardon Biden? Because he now he's incriminated in this. When you say the laptop's real, then you say kickbacks from foreign governments are real. And so how do you pardon yourself? He's got to and he's he's got to step aside for one. Tom, day. I'm going to ask you the question I ask Vinny all the time. Uh, you want to bet? I don't think look, everyone has a speculation that Michelle, Michelle Obama's coming to rescue this, that Kamala Harris is going to be president for a day. It's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. It's Trump versus Biden. Whether you like it or not, the 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 election nobody in the country wants to see. I don't. But it's happening. I do not think at all that Joe Biden. How much you want to bet? I, okay, I wanna, I'm not saying that I'm advocating for Joe Biden, uh, but we're all coming up with uh, these Gavin Newsom conspiracy but, theories. But what I'm saying is, and all of a sudden Michelle Obama is going to whip her dick out what? and become the president. You said it. I'm just you saying, said it, brother. It's clearly. Well, hold on. But Adam, can I ask you a question? It's, it's Obama. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> it's it's Biden stage. versus Trump. So you think, at, like, you think in yes. one year on a debate stage, Donald Trump with Joe Biden is going to happen? Yeah. Are you absolutely out of your mind? Besides the fact that I don't think he's going to physically, Guys, mentally be talk there. Talk is cheap. Put your Guess money what? where your mouth is. Well, hold on one second. How I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it. I'm saying that is what is far and more likely to happen. Pull up the presidential odds right now. But what, Just look at the numbers, guys. Uh, this guy thinks that she's going to drop out of the race and president. And he's going to honestly, uh, think he's going to do all I this want, nonsensical well, I stuff. Ask, I want to ask him, Rob, and just Adam, follow the do odds. You three, do you three think jo- it's going to come is down it right with here? Joe Biden against him? I'm just curious. Okay. Do you think? By the way, look at where Michelle has come, come it's up. It's still 12, 12 to, to one. one. It doesn't a, matter. That's a lot different from one to one. Yeah, but by the way, Michelle wasn't even in the top 30 six months ago. FYI, Adam, numbers guy, she was all the way at the freaking bottom with Oprah. Look at where her ass is right now. Right behind your boy and we're less than a year so away. So stop talking about it and be about it. And put want, your money where your mouth is. I'm your friend. Then your, your talk money. is cheap. Oh, you're my friend. You don't want to take my money. Take your money? I'll gladly take your money, Vinny. You you and I love Can you. I ask you one question? I, I'm, there's no I'm emotion here. I'm just, I'm just Adam, saying look at the numbers. Do you think it's going to be Biden? No betting. Do you think it's going to be Joe Biden? Adam, against him? when Biden's... You just asked him a question, Biden's, Hold on, hold on. I want to ask you too. And you too, Rob. Just do you think it's going to be Joe Biden versus Trump when it comes down to it? I think here's here's how I process that. If if no one's ever gotten reelected being in the 30s, okay, and Democrats are not, uh, you know, going to sit there and just be like, yeah, listen, let's take this L. 
I don't think that's the kind of a party they are. I don't think they're going to just take an L and say, you guys, you know, like this morning, Josh Allen was being interviewed. Not this morning. Day after they lost. The quarterback. Yeah, Buffalo. the quarterback from Buffalo Bills. So, you know, how's it feel now that it's real? At least I'm alive. Hmm. At least I have another day, right? But you're know, kind of trying to, you know, play it out. And you heard Giannis when he lost, and the guy asked him a question, do you see the season as a failure? And Giannis loses Pissed it, Pissed right? off, yeah. And gives an answer. Um, I don't think Dems are going to let an easy victory for Trump, especially Trump, okay? Think about the Republicans that have won in the past and how much they hated him. Bush was the Antichrist, right? You go to senior you go to Reagan. They really hated, you know, some of these guys. The level of hate they got for Trump, it's nowhere near to any of the candidates they've ever had. Okay. So do I think they're going to let Biden be the candidate? It's one of the worst decisions they will ever make if they do that. One of the worst decisions they'll ever make. So for me to sit there and take his argument and say, I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. I understand his logic because... What month are we? January? We got, what, 10 months left? Less than 10 months left? Nine and a half months left? I get what he's saying. But also at the same time, man, I I don't know why I'm convinced. I've said this. The hardest part they're going to have is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, how do you get her to set aside? You have to give her something for her to set aside without complaining, bitching, and whining. And you can't replace her with a white guy. Trump's going to run with that. Republicans are going to run with that. They put another woman in the back of the bus. So all the progress Democrats were talking about, 60 years of wasted, you know, boom, out the window, right? Kamala, go sit in the back of the bus. The first thing you'll see is a picture, a meme with Kamala Harris in the back of the bus. And you know who's going to post that picture? Donald Trump Trump Jr. and Donald Trump are going to post it. And then everybody else from the MAGA camp is going to share that because it's going to be funny to share. and It's going to make sense. So, no, I think the argument with uh, Kamala is if they lead with Michelle as president and they lead with Newsom as VP, it's a phenomenal forgiveness mm-hmm. of Kamala sitting down and saying, okay, that makes sense. I think that's the only way where the Democratic vote is not going to do that. But the right is still going to be able to say, no, you still sat down to VP and replace her with Newsom. So maybe it's going to be Newsom the lead and Michelle VP. And the reason why Michelle wants to be VP is because she wants she does not want any of the job or nothing to do. She's a great promoter. She'll go around talking about how amazing uh, Gavin Newsom is and how much he's done for the states and how great of a thing. That's the card they're going to play. But if they just go with Joe, Adam, my biggest challenge is if they just go with Joe, you're losing nine out of ten times on many of these polls. So why would they do that? I don't see Dems just taking an L and saying this is a lost cause. I I fully agree with your perspective right here. And this political jockeying, every every angle you turn, all right, if Joe doesn't go, then we're going to have Kamala run, but we don't want Kamala. But all right, so we're going to put Michelle there, and then it's going to be Michelle and then Kamala. But then there's two black women running for president. That's not going to happen. Oh, my God, that's ever had No woman's been elected. Okay, so then we're going to have Gavin Newsom come in, and he's going to be our savior. But everyone knows that Gavin Newsom's just like all these jockeying. I, I just look at the facts in front of my face. They're, they're looking at a... They're running into a buzzsaw with Trump, and they're just having seen our old Joe Biden at the front of the bus, and they're hoping, and they're praying, and they're wishing that 
all right, America, we're going to do it again, and we're just going to convince everybody okay, watch that, this. that Trump me, is a threat to democracy but, and he's racist, but the only, and they're going to try to the, do that, I, I, and it's likely to fail, but, the, but he's the guy. The only the reason he won in 2020, Adam, is because, by the way, COVID, he's the bad guy. No, I don't care if Jesus I agree with was you. in, but that and suppressing stories with the FBI. I agree so with think, you. Hold on. So to think right now with this four-year track record, which is, keeps getting worse, that they're going to both walk in and Biden has any chance you're lo- you're gonna throw. Oh, I'm not, so I'm not saying out. he has a chance. Char- I'm saying Char- he's gonna be running. Charlemagne the God says Biden has never been a good candidate. Was elected due to unfortunate events. Charlemagne asserted that Biden's dismal polling is due to how he's never been a good candidate and was elected for, you know, series of unfortunate events. Charlemagne expresses concerns about Biden's messaging and his ability to inspire voters, saying their messaging sucks, even though they have accomplished some good things while they've been. In a White House, nobody knows that. Nobody wants party. Uh, nobody want to party with Joe Biden. He's just not inspiring in any way, shape, or form. Maybe he needs to find a little bit of that Obama, Bill Clinton energy to inspire. He's not going to find it, guys. No. Charlemagne yeah. emphasized yeah, the importance of presidential candidates addressing issues related to upwardly mobility, saying, "How can you put money in people's pockets? Because that, you know, gives people a sense of security, and that is what the candidates should be focusing on." If all of a sudden the Dems did flip in August, and they put a Newsom, uh, a Michelle combination. Do you know what mainstream media would do with that? CNN, what Jimmy Fallon, Colbert, all these podcasts, the Oprah Winfrey, the NBA, LeBron. Forget the, it. Do you know what Taylor Swift, do you know what these guys would be doing? It would be bonkers. By the way, if it is Michelle and Newsom, it's going to be a dog fight. I'm t- if it is Michelle and Newsom, it's going to be a dog fight. And uh, in that, okay, let me ask this question. The, the little chance that you don't think it's going to be Biden, what's your chance? 1%? 5%? No, it's higher than that. Okay. Like, like, I'm, I'm in 0% defending Joe Biden as a good candidate. I we think he's a freaking disaster. But, we, we get, but I think they're ready to for the disaster. What do you think is the percentage of it being somebody else than him? Uh... 10%. Okay, that's 10%. Of the 10% that you believe, what are the chances that the new president VP candidate, one of them is going to be a female? Oh, yeah. Very, 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 very what, high. What 99%. Are, okay. What are the chances one of the two is going to be black? Yeah. Higher, higher than the 99%. Yeah. Then correct. who's left? Yeah, that's a great point. You, you got Kamala. You got Same Michelle. Be, okay, and, perfect. So now course. we have Michelle. And who's a better option, Michelle or Kamala? It's not even close. It's not it's even Michelle. close. So if it's a president that they replace Obama with, who would that person be that's at the top? So you got Newsom. Some people flirted with the name Mark Cuban. That's why Mark sold his team and da-da-da-da-da. And, okay, so say, so, so say it is a Newsom and a uh, Michelle. Okay, on the Trump side, how important is it for Trump to choose a VP that's a female? Somewhat important, not— Overly okay. important. Give me the percentage. Uh, in terms of importance? The percentage chances of Trump choosing a female as a VP. 30%. 60%. Oh, you're putting that high. I put 30. I say more than, better than okay. average. Tom, Tom, where are you at with Tom's v, uh, his VP being a, a female? I think it's a 25% 30. chance that he will, but it's a 75% chance that he should. Oh, interesting answer. Okay, fair. 
Okay, and if that's the case, who are the candidates? Stefanik, female. Tulsi, female, right? Lake, mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe. Carrie Lake. Both, both very capable. My girl up two. in uh, uh, South Tulsi Dakota. Gabbard, like, but, yeah, my challenge is... What's my uh, girl again? I, I think my challenge with choosing a VP is somebody that's very much like you. Okay, if you choose Christine a VP Nome. that's like you. Yeah, yeah. Christine from South Dakota, right? It's too much like you. If it's like you, then there, there, there has to be an element of that person being different than you to be able to compete. But if it is a Newsom Michelle and it's a Trump whoever, oh, my gosh. Every day is going to be a fight. Yep. Yep. Every day from August, Mm -hmm. September, October, November, that three months, every single – it's not even three months. It's two and a half months. Those two and a half months, every single day is going to be a fight. I'm with you 100%, and I'm not trying to argue with – uh, Adam and Vinny on the previous point. I'm just pointing out that when the Department of Effing Justice validates the laptop, it's basically you're validating demonstrably impeachable evidence. So let's say they rigged the event, the election, and Biden wins. The the anger that will be on the Republican side, and they will take this thing and they will shove it up his ass, and they will impeach him. That's how no, big- but that's under the assumption that there's something there that is incriminating Joe Biden. There's there's a lot of stuff to incriminate Hunter, no doubt. That guy's dude. Yeah, but the first class scumbag. They have not been able to make anything stick. Look, to you Joe. Debate- well, they can't because he runs the. De- the Department they haven't started of- hearings. And yeah, the- there there are four different groups, four different groups, Adam, that have started that have all of the impeachment structures in place. Four groups of congressmen that are ready to start hearings, but they haven't. And the answer is why? And what are they doing? It has to do with the election. It has to do with distraction. And it has to do that I don't think they need, they, they think they need, they have to. Well, we right know now. where the impeachment well, hearings my, are going my, nowhere. Because the same thing is, that happened with Trump, if you hold the uh, Senate, yeah, if you hold yes the House, no. nothing yes happens. Or, I'm, I'm going to shut up. But yes or no. Does it change things when the Department of Justice validates the contents of the laptop? Of course it does. Thank you. They have to admit it. But then, but just really and then you have to go. You have to go down the what now, now path, not speculating, not conspiracy. But it leads to where it leads me is Joe Biden is done. That's where it leads me. And it's just a matter, I could speculate all day long how, you know what I think. I think it'll be done at the convention. But I'm with Pat. They, I don't think they have any choice. I don't think they're going to take the L, and I think they're going to put things up. And it is going to be one of the most important and crazy 60 days in American history between August 21st and November. But just to be clear, do I think they should have made this change a year ago? Yes. Do I think that this that, that Biden is going to be running into a Trump buzzsaw where people are like, yeah, we're going to give Trump a, another shot, 100%. Do I also think they're going to double down and go down with the ship? Yes. No. Wow. You can't do that because I, I no I I that last okay, where are where are you at with the chance of all of those things you said the last one? That they're just going to keep running. They're going to take the, the one thing yeah, that you guys have to just keep in mind is that it's not just hey, switch the candidates. It's all the dirty work behind the scenes, the grassroots, the campaign, the getting them on the ballots, the infrastructure, the DNC. There's so much stuff behind the scenes that has to happen that it's just not just like, all right, Biden, you're out. Uh, Gavin, you're in. Michelle, you're in. There's so much stuff going on behind the scenes. And we'd be hearing stories coming from the DNC. We'd be hearing stories coming from the call coming inside the house saying, oh, yeah, they're already setting stuff up, bro. They're already happening. 
None of those stories are coming out. Yet. Listen, let, let's just assume, Adam, that they're not. They don't have to announce nothing because we know that these cats are disgustingly dirty tricksters. The left is. They'll stop at nothing to win and keep that power border everything like that. Who knows? Even if they were going to have an election, let's say, God forbid, there's a power outage with all the leave the world behind. Speaking of the Obamas, but let's go back to Charlemagne <laughs> the God, Mister Mister. Uh, uh, we know that he's never been a good candidate talking about Biden. What are you talking about, Charlemagne? You were kissing his ass on your podcast, and he, a white guy in front of you, said, if you have a problem deciding whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And you didn't say shit. Okay, so I don't, I don't play that bullshit now. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's coming back to the, oh, no, we never thought. Yes, you did, bro. You were kissing his ass, number one. Number two, um, Adam, great point about Michelle and uh, uh, the voting block for if Michelle runs. And that was a great point uh, on your show when we were asking, you asked the panel, and they were all girls, but a couple, mm-hmm. couple of them were African-American girls. And you're like, who'd you, who'd best president ever. What did they say? Every single black person went, well, I have to check the box. And Barack Obama, what did, they, what did he do? Well, I don't know, but I just, I have to mm-hmm. vote for him because why? No qualifications, no nothing. What, what, what makes Michelle Obama, I mean, I, I guarantee you it'd be, a, it'd be a fight. What makes her a good candidate? What? Because she was the wife of a. Yeah, I, that, that's why I told, but, I'm like, what Adam, has she ever Adam, fucking people, done? But guess what, though? If people next thing you know, we're, vo- we're voting for uh, Melania Trump next time but, around. But, but what is happening? But that's, right my, now? but that's my point, Adam. Ready for yeah. this? They're going to go demon, devil, Satan, Hitler, orange guys coming back. Or Michelle Obama. That's the safe. Cool, you know, America just, you know, they want to get coddled and they want to be nice, even though they're going to get screwed in the ass. That's the, I am not that's voting for an, uh, Michelle Obama, Which, okay, Kamala Harris ticket, and I Would doubt most Americans Adam, would. Okay, then the question, though, how loyal are you to your party if you are uh, a Democrat? I'm a registered independent. Okay, independent. I'm a registered vote? independent. But if I you try. Ha- would you sit it out or would you vote for uh, Trump or Michelle if it came down to those two votes? I would not vote for Michelle Obama. So would you vote for Trump? Yeah. I love you. Oh, Adam! By the way, that's America right there, baby. Yeah, and and when you're saying when you're saying that, by the way, this was a monumental moment hearing this guy here. I love him. You would vote I, for Trump, that, and that's a great thing. About but I think but a lot of people are basically waking up. I, what's I, going I love on. you, Adam. I think, I think he's right. By the way, you remember this, Vinny. One thing, one thing you never do in 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 a world of competition, and there is no game, no competitive sport that's more deceptive and dark and manipulative than this game. Yeah. Okay. So. What does this mean? If, if there's any game that there's competition, never under, underestimate opponent. And this one is the most deceptive one. You definitely cannot underestimate who these people are. Michelle Obama, I know you're like, wow, who is she? What has she done in her life? Okay, this, this, she went to a great school. She went to Princeton. And she graduated in, what, 1981, graduating cum laude, okay, mm-hmm. in 85, uh, uh, with a 99-page senior thesis titled Princeton's Educated Blacks and Black Community. I mean, this is like a fully qualified person for this. She majored in sociology, mm-hmm. minored in African-American studies, okay? And Cur- she had a double major in DEI. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a whole different story. <laughs> then she continues and gets her law license, okay? And she actually, when they were running, I don't know why I remember this, she was making very good income uh, out of the tax. I, I remember that. I thought she was making 150K a year. In 2006, he ran two years later. When they did their annual salary, couples tax returns in 2006, her salary in 2006 was $273,000 a year. Okay. And he was making 157. 
she was making $120,000 more per year than him, which many would say she's more qualified to run than he is, okay? So this is, this is not somebody that, and on top of that, very well-spoken, incredible campaigner. When she would go up there and, you know, do what she did with the speeches and all that, she got the votes. You cannot underestimate the power of Michelle Obama and the game she's going to bring. And the average person, Pat, like everything that you wrote, the average person in here out there, they don't, they don't know that. It's just Michelle Obama. Because I, as I, we're learning right now, Pat, yeah. Biden is not making a single decision. So it's because you know who they're saying is running the White House right now? Barack Obama. Okay, let's be honest. But and he even said it. He said it in an interview, and he goes, "Listen, if there was some type of way that I could, you know, get on an earpiece," and and he admits what he's doing. He's in charge. Hillary's in charge. A couple of other uh, big names because when Joe Biden says, and I quote, I, "I I can't say anything because they said that I can't." That's the they. Everybody's always wondering who's the they. Michelle, I I agree with you 100. I'm not underestimating her, but what I'm what I'm saying is nobody knows about any of those qualifications. Yeah, she's the best pick because she's. What America would be like, I don't know. Vin. What do you mean? No. By the way, her book sold nearly 20 million copies. I, again, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying she is formidable. And if you get Michelle, guess who you get automatically with Michelle? Barack. You get Barack. Of course. And then if you get Newsom, you know, who else do you get with Newsom? You get all the people that are the establishment side back in yeah. the family, Pelosi. Listen, Newsom, Michelle. I guarantee you on the inside, 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 inside of Trump's camp, they know. Like if I'm if I'm playing, like you know how you're playing, you know, you're going you're going through playoffs and like, okay, first round we're gonna take these guys that we're gonna win four to two. Okay. Let's just try to sweep these guys, but it's probably gonna be four to two. And I'm talking NBA. Football, there's luck involved. Basketball, there's not a lot of luck involved. The best team typically in in the seven games. Yeah, seven games. So typically the best team in basketball. Typically wins. Not all the time, but typically wins. In football, that's not the case. Any given Sunday. Hell Mary's. Right. Yeah, you never know. So I guarantee on the inside, they have to look at the matchups. So while they're picking and choosing, they have to. this is why I don't think it's good to choose the VP too early. I think let's wait for the matchups. Let's see who the matchups are. Hang tight, okay? You would much rather have them pick their candidates than yours yeah and someone on the inside is gonna leak information on the left they're going to but it's gonna happen gotcha. when they leak it and when that leak happens then you have to pivot and have the right team on let, me, let me just give one perspective because yeah. you know just how you just get laid out how trump and his team are basically strategizing what's going to happen so is the dnc and what they're basically saying to biden is like your only chance is against trump because if somehow DeSantis, who just dropped out, is in this race, or even if it's Nikki Haley, all the polling says that they would wipe your ass off the map because they're young, they're vibrant. Your only chance is to go after Mr. Anti-Democracy, January 6th, Donald Trump. That's why the election is even remotely close at this point. Yeah. So the DNC is basically saying the only way we're parading or propping up Joe Biden is against Trump. Yeah. Now, I still think based on polling, at least in the battle, battleground states, Trump is likely to win. He's the favorite at this point. Yep. But they're they're more excited about Trump than a, than a Nikki Haley well, in the middle or a DeSantis. Of your, yeah, in the middle of your kerfuffle here. You, kerfuffle? I love you, that. You guys were, were saying, what stories are coming out? What stories are coming out? This story isn't coming out. There's no story about who's going to be it. 
it's it's completely suppressed and it's completely quiet and it's completely behind closed doors. You all you have to do is look at what stories are coming out. Yeah. And what's coming out? Obama, the leaks that Obama talked to him, the laptop things. Just look at the stories that are coming out in unison, not from secondary sources, not from The Hill, not from Politico, not from Fox, but from the mainstream media. Look at those stories and just connect those dots. Well, I, I, well guess what? And here's my thing. If you like crime, if you really love inflation, if you love an open border and people shitting and pissing outside your door. If you like soon, a cup of urine on and, the front porch. Yeah, and if you want, you love homelessness, to New York. keep voting. No, keep voting for Democrats because that's that's what they want. It won't stop with Michelle. It definitely won't stop with Gavin Newsom because he has a shitty cra- uh, track record. That's what you vote for. But people, like you said, for, uh, circling back, they go off emotion. They're going to be like, oh, Mich- it's Michelle Obama. What could go wrong? Nothing is going to change. As Barack says. So, but Nick, me, if you guys want to talk about it. All right, gang. Uh, uh, great podcast today. We will not be having a podcast tomorrow nor Thursday, but I do believe we make it back on our flight to be able to do something Friday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. Do we have something Friday afternoon, Rob? We do, 2 to 4 p.m. right now. 2 to 4 p.m. Yes, Friday sir. afternoon. Okay, gang. Have a great day. We'll see you guys on Friday. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.